Well, back back when everybody was a kid, <laughs> we all did this by telegraph. Beep, 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 by Morse code. L O L L O L. Well, you're missing some comedy gold. <laughs> Friends, the show you're about to hear may contain coarse language, progressive attitudes about scale modeling, and in-depth discussion of technique and concept. If this is not your thing, then on your bike. Otherwise, please enjoy today's show while at the bench, on the drive to work, or while enjoying an adult beverage. Welcome everyone to episode 25 of the Sprue Cutters Union. With me, I have Tracy Hancock. Hello. And Will Patterson. What's up? My name is Chris Meddings, and we are here to talk bullshit at you for, I don't know, something like three hours probably, all about <laughs> modelling. So, it's been a while, it's been uh, a long while since we talked about what we got going on on the bench. Tracy, what's happening on your bench? Nothing. Will, what's happening on your bench? <laughs> <laughs> why, why nothing, Tracy? What's been going on? Uh, just a lot of real life stuff. Um DIY in the house and you know work stuff just all been piling up so um I've literally been doing nothing uh, on the bench you've got to relax uh, sometime right Will what about you I know you've been playing with your hornet and that's not a euphemism yeah no 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 and I I have I, I mean my report is going to be just almost as succinct as Hancock's because I, 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 I have not made a lot of progress. I've actually been going backwards in fact, and I am fully in the, in the grip of Hornet fatigue. Um, I am over it. I, I did, I had a lot of fun. I did a, you know, like a month of painting and oil paint rendering and chipping and well, well, not much chipping, but weathering and, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with all that uh but uh you know the last sort of thing is attaching the canopy and that turned into a rolling disaster um (laughs) the uh i sometimes i just wish i couldn't see as well as i can because the, the it started with the windscreen being a little too narrow at the back like it's a perfect fit everywhere else but right at the back of the windscreen where it mates up against the canopy, it was too narrow. And it was only a little bit, you know, like half a millimeter. And so I just made a little wedge out of a toothpick and jammed it in there in the appropriate spot and spread it out and glued it in place. And that was fine. The canopy itself also has the same problem. And, and I, and I, it's just one of those things. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the type of part, you know, it's got a, horseshoe shaped cross section and it's the kind of part that could naturally just shrink wrongly when it comes out of the tool it's the kind of thing that tamia has figured out how not to have happen and ming has not and so the front of the canopy was like twice as as too narrow Hmm. and so i thought all right well, you know, time and temperature will make plastic be plastic. It'll it'll creep. 
And if I just put a little spacer in there to spread that part of the canopy out and, you know, leave it in the window sill, let it get a little sunlight, leave that for a couple of weeks, eventually it'll take a set in a new properly widened position. And A, it did not. <laughs> that was fail. Uh, and B, it cracked. Stress mm. fractures. Stress fractures that I did not find, of course, until I took all the masking off. Because I chose to gamble that it was going to work. And I went ahead and did all the painting and the weathering and so forth to the canopy frame. Yeah. And when I peeled the masking off, there was a big stress fracture. So, uh, fortunately... One of the dudes in SMCG, uh, Steve Baker, uh, sent me a link to an eBay seller who was parting out sprues, and I was able to get the clear sprue for 20 bucks in three days uh, instead of having to spend $90 on a whole new kit just to get another canopy. <laughs> Throw away the rest of the kit. <laughs> right. Yeah, at this point, I probably would have. Um, and so that was great. And so I got it. It was also too narrow not as bad and so um rather than make the same mistake again and i didn't want to risk like there's an inner frame thing on that canopy that you could use to to glue it in a you know like to sort of spread it out right but i was afraid that that would eventually lead to more stress fractures probably about the time i showed up at omaha with the with the thing and so I was like, all right, I'm going to do the hot water trick. So put a spacer in it to spread it out, threw it in a cup of boiling water, bam, instantly. I'm like, why didn't I do this in the first place? Worked like a charm. Uh, but <laughs> apparently throwing the entire canopy in the cup of boiling hot water was just like washing a brand new pair of Levi's in boiling hot water. Because the whole fucking thing shrank. The entire canopy is now a half millimeter too short. Huh. Like, like where there was no gap between the back edge of the windscreen and the front edge of the canopy, there's now a, a half millimeter gap. <laughs> so I'm adding material to fill that gap. Cause I was going to say, it's, it's frame there, isn't it? So you could it, just shim it, it. Yeah, I'm shimming it, which leaves the frame slightly shimmy, too shimmy, wide. Shimmy. But... You know, nobody's really going to know that the frame is slightly too wide the way they would know that there was a gap there or that the canopy was too narrow. So the net is that it's going to be fine, but it's just been this whole series of gy just gyrations. And of course, because I had a new clear sprue, that gave me the opportunity, in heavy air quotes, to extract the gun sight from under the windscreen because I did a stupid schoolboy thing when I assembled the gun sight, got a little too much extra thin, and I had some glue on the clear parts of the gun sight that was way too visible for me. But I wasn't going to do anything about it because I didn't have a spare gun sight uh, glass. Well, now I do. <laughs> so, yes. I successfully managed to get the gun sight out from under the windscreen without roaching the windscreen and then begin what's become a whole other comedy of errors in rebuilding the gun sight. Because I had to take the old one apart, get the new clear parts. It's just been stupid, super stupid, and I'm super done. 
over it. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's the shit that I get myself into. So, you know, I don't expect any sympathy. <laughs> any work on the Tiger Tiger? No, no. The Pound Real Tiger project has been at a standstill. Um, but I'll get back to it. it. Makes me laugh that you call a hashtag a pound. Hashtag a pound. pound. I, should call, I should call it a hashtag, yeah. Well, given what pound is in America. <laughs> right. Or what it can be. Well, it's quite funny. It's pound cake, but there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I've been crazy busy. Uh, unfortunately, I stalled on the um, Vaulty Vengeance that I was building live. So anyone that was following that, I'm really sorry. That will start again next week because like a ton of other shit came up that needed to be done. Uh, for those that don't know, last weekend was the... Um, I don't know what it was. Platinum Jubilee weekend for the Queen. So it was a public holiday and no one did anything here for four days. So I didn't get any bench time or anything. I was busy doing other things. Uh, but in, in amongst all that, I'm trying to finish the new book, Modeling AFV Club Armor, so that I can release it at World Model Expo. And as usual, I saved all my homework till the last month. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm fucking shitting myself trying to get that done. Um, I did finish off the Beechcraft C18S. It wasn't my best work, but I finished it. So more than anything, that was nice psychologically because it's off my bench now, which means I don't feel so bad working on other things. So uh, I started a little bit on a new diorama of destroyed Russian armor, which is going to be the kind of thing that will get me banned from Russian forum online places <laughs> the world over no doubt oh god okay so uh yeah i've been playing with that um it's got one two three four five six vehicles in it <laughs> in a big pile and you know when you think that'd be awesome if i put a bit of that on there and a bit of that on there and then i thought oh, fucking hell i've basically got six models to build so yeah that, but that is well and, wait and detail like he's also yeah, well mm-hmm. yes and no you'll see why it's kind of like five wedgies in a full vehicle so it's like i've got two five halves of vehicles to paint and detail and weather and stuff what are you moaning about but they're all going to be wrecks and wrecks always means a lot more work doesn't it so yeah because it's not just putting the gubbins inside a lot of people when they make wrecks they like break bits open and put stuff inside but what they don't do is make the broken armor scale thickness and that annoys the hell out of me and some of these vehicles, like one of them's a BDM-2, which is, um, for those who don't know, is uh, an airborne tank. And it's basically made out of aluminium, and it's very thin. So a lot of that is going to be a lot of time spent with a grinder thinning edges where it shows um, to try and make it look like the tin can that the, the real things are. The fact that they're so bad, I showed you guys a photo, they're so bad they literally melt. I've got photos of them where the, the aluminium has melted and pooled underneath them when they've burnt out. So um, a lot of work to to do on those, but it's going to be fun, you know, and I've got some artistic ideas about it, which uh, I can't really explain at the moment because I lack words. It's easy with pictures. Um, so that's gonna, about it, really. So, are you going to try to replicate the, the melted aluminum? Yeah, probably. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. I did think about doing white metal, but it won't. The surface tension on it's too high. It won't blob in scale, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. It will be too out of scale. So... I might have to sculpt it out of epoxy putty. At least then I can put it exactly where I want it. Yeah, I can't recall. I remember that uh, David Parker in the uh, the, the Russian junkyard, the scrapyard book, 
mm-hmm. where he did the I think T sixty two cut in half. He replicated a little bit of uh, the molten aluminum underneath it. I can't recall how he did it, but that could be a starting point. I've got that book. I'll have a look. <laughs> I was I was going to suggest melting some solder or something, but then I remembered the last time Chris tried melting metal and the fact that he nearly burnt his entire house down, so probably the bad idea. You can't burn your house down with white metal. It cools too quickly. You, you can. can burn a hole in your you hand can. if you're not careful. <laughs> We don't need to, we don't need you to end up in the hospital again. All right, so just... well that's four hours I could be at the bench, isn't it? So, <laughs> but talking of World Model Expo, that's coming up real fucking fast. It's a month away now, basically less than a month, Tracy. Yeah, just less to, than a month. just so we can shit our pants. Um, I got some recording equipment. We've got some amazing interviews lined up for that, uh, and um, I've left quite a lot of room though in the schedule, so we can just if we meet someone, oh, we should talk to them there's time to book it in you know we're not like fully booked up so yeah but anyone going to the show uh you can find the inside the armor stand it's got one great big roller display thing with inside the armor on it and another one with a massive great two foot wide sprue cutters union logo on it so you can't miss us come and come and say hello yeah still a little bit of stuff to do before that well what do you are you take well besides you know stuff to sell are you taking anything you're taking the i'm gonna take the churchill and possibly the char but there's no category for unpainted scratch unlike that um um uh, scale model challenge yeah so i'm gonna it depends if i've got time to paint it before i go i'm not going to take it unpainted don't rush it get anything well when i say if i've got time to do it i mean if i've got time to do it well if i haven't i won't bother yeah because you know traveling with models there's always a risk you'll break them and it's only worth taking them if you think it's really worth taking them. So, but I'll take the Churchill coming down the hill, which I should say after talking to you two, I was, you know, you said to me the one thing it lacked was there was no mud on the sheets um, because it's got like sheet camouflage, white sheets in the snow. And uh, in the original book, the incident takes place after the first snows. So I didn't think there wasn't a thaw. So I thought, well, when would it get muddy if there's no thaw? But I talked to you two, and I sat on it, and I let it speak to me, as you like to say, <laughs> for a go. month or so. <laughs> and it just it just didn't look right. It just looked unfinished. So in the end, I did put some mud on the sheets just because, although it isn't right, it looks right. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it was a good call. Just, they, yeah. they, 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 do look, they do look more interesting, and I thought you Yeah, could... and it helps the vehicle pop out a bit from the background mm-hmm. as well. Which yeah, is, uh, a little bit more contrast. That's what you yeah. need. Yeah, so I did that. Yeah, and that's in the book, the AFE Club book. So you can finally find out what the fuck I've been banging on about all this time. Well, it's you know, it's one of those things our eye expects to see what our eye expects to see, and whether it's right or wrong in in the real life experience, it looks right or wrong based yeah. on what we expect it to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's certainly tons tons of examples of uh, of how even in basically nothing but snow. Um, you know, tracks churning up shit and oil pans leaking and fuel spills and just the more traffic there is on a road, even if it's hard thawed, it's gonna it's gonna throw up some muck. So I think you did the right thing. All I will say though is that uh, whenever I do anything, I always go and look for reference. As you guys know, you know, um, we always talk about uh, looking you know seeing and what have you and rather than doing what your mind's eye to go and look for examples don't google dirty sheets 
Just saying. It's pretty fucking revolting. So if you're going to do some muddy sheets, just imagine what muddy sheets look like. It's a much, much nicer experience. Trust me. Tracy makes a good point, though, about, you know, what we expect to see. And I, I think we run into that a lot as model makers where we're trying to do stuff or depict things or tell stories mm-hmm. that are supported by reference photos. But we may be the only one looking at those reference photos or whatever. And, you know, I mean, we had this whole conversation about the uh, the uh, stains on the bottom of my Hornet that are kind and they're not just on the bottom, but they're kind of unique to Hornets, at least from what I can see, where there's all this mung that's collected and dudes you know wipe it away with a rag that's maybe got some 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 kind of solvent on it or something and so and then and we know that this is actually a thing that's actually how it happens because we're lucky enough to have some actual hornet maintainers in smcg who who have talked about that and so it leaves this weird ring of darker colored gunk around a relatively lighter patch where say an access panel is and it ends up like i did it with oils and it ended up looking kind of like tide marks and you guys were like that looks kind of like tide marks you know and and but what do you do like it's a challenge and uh, you know sometimes there's not really a good answer for it other than just say well here's the reference photos i did my best also though particularly in dioramas maybe, a slavish devotion to complete realism can lead you to make a model which doesn't look realistic. Mm -hmm. Because what looks real at one-to-one scale doesn't always work on a model. 100%. And I know people say people model what other models look like, and to an extent, yeah, but also, like when people say, oh, I don't paint any shadow on my models or what have you because the light does it. It doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't do it the same way it does when you're looking at something outside. You're painting something to look like it does outside, not to look like it does shrunk on a table under fluorescent lights at a competition. Yeah, it's it's really a style it's really a style choice. But you're absolutely right. I mean, there's plenty of situations that I've been in where I did some chipping that I thought, okay, well that's you know, that's pretty that's pretty authentic, pretty realistic, but I just don't like the shape of the pattern. It's not mm. interesting to my eye. And the reality is, you know, we've talked about it like in photography terms, you know, the rule of thirds in photography exists because our brains enjoy certain geometric arrangements more than others. And and so, like when I'm doing chipping, I try first to get the location correct, because that's an obvious thing. But then I try to arrange it in a pattern that, that while realistic, authentic, reflective of what would actually happen yes of course that's the first requirement but also arranged in a pattern that's pleasing to my eye if that makes any sense it's 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 a it's a tough balance sometimes to you know to find that intersection of reality and looks cool yeah well i mean when you push something in one direction and then take a step back and look at the whole sometimes you can say okay well this is too uniform. Like these things are realistic and they're realistically placed, sized, everything, but it's just a little too uniform. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then you think like, okay, which, which one of these areas can I push just a little bit more? Um, And sometimes it's a matter of, of 
thinking like, okay, in reality, how would people move over this vehicle? Would people move more over a certain area? Can I push that more, get a little grungier? Um, and other times it's, it's maybe a visual device where you're trying to get the eye to, to linger a little longer at one spot. And you can do that by separating that pattern a little bit in order to sort of become a focal point. And it can even be a global thing too. Like this is something that I've been trying to push on my Hornet project where I kind of made the decision really early on that the whole project, I was going to try and turn the volume up a notch in terms of like contrast and just pop, if that makes any sense. And so I know there's people who are going to look at it and go, whoa, whoa, you know, that color's a little too bold or that contrast is a little too high or whatever, but that's what I'm trying to do purposely because, you know, it's just a truth that it reads. I mean, our eyeballs enjoy things that have higher contrast. That's just a fact. And especially when it's a small scale and, you know, like in a contest setting, the lighting's not so good. Maybe you need a little more contrast. So, you know, it's it's a it's it's a it's a very subjective decision that, but that hopefully we are making with a specific purpose in mind. I don't know about you though. If you ever painted something and thought I put too much contrast on that, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that way oh, about. I'm, I feel that way about. I'm the too Hornet. conservative. Yeah. Like every I, time to me, I think there's not enough. Every time. <laughs> I know, and you've and been because talk- when I'm doing it, I'm quite conservative. You know. Oh. Well, you've been talking about how you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna jack up the drama on your with your oil paint work, and and you, you know, you keep showing us what you're doing, and I'm like, okay, and <laughs> I want to see, I want to see you really push it. You know, I need to finish that robot. But that overall level of contrast, I think, is the number one thing that really defines your style. Wait, defines Chris's well, style or defines everyone's style? Anybody's, anybody's style. Yeah, it's one yeah. thing. I think it's. I didn't say it's the only thing. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't say it's the only thing. I think it's. But I think it's kind of the most significant thing. No, I don't agree with that. No, with certain people, it can be for sure. Yeah. Like I, I'm like as soon as you say like you know heavy high contrast being a defining characteristic, a modeler popped right into my head that like that is a characteristic of their work. Adam Wilder. Um, was it it wasn't Adam? No, it was not Adam. Uh it's uh Lucas uh shit. Let me look it up real quick. But that's fair though. I mean to say I mean, yeah, I, I may and, and maybe that's true that I think of it as the most important thing because of the model makers I think of who do have a pronounced high contrast style and it shows the most. The guy I was thinking about is uh and I'm gonna butcher his name, I apologize. Lucas Orczyk Musilic. Well, now we're going to have to have some links so everybody can see. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's been around for quite a long time. Um, he's a Polish modeler, but to me, his his part of what his style kind of has it, it over the last few years. It's really evolved into like the defining characteristic of his style is his his contrast and his saturation mm-hmm. like he pushes color saturation um on military vehicles um to a point where it's almost 
not believable, but he kind of reins it in right at the last moment. Mm. Um, so that yeah, that that was who popped into my head. Yeah, saturation is also super important. But I, I think either, I mean, both of those things, saturation and contrast, are things that if you're in photography, that gets talked about all the time. But in model making, not so much. And I think that a lot of guys overlook it when they're trying to find that sweet spot for themselves. You know, because it's, it's so easy to get focused on, well, how am I going to do my chipping? Or how am I going to do my black basing or whatever it is, we get super tied down to those real specific techniques. And I think it's talking to, you know, you get into stuff like global contrast and that becomes like a lot more nebulous for a lot of guys. And they've never maybe even really considered it. Well, it's the same was like color saturation, right? Like I yep. can name off Adam Wilder is another good example of somebody who uses really saturated colors uh in a yep. really controlled way that's that's the key mm-hmm. like he's got a lot of control but i also uh you know there's guys like uh because he's been posting uh some of his work recently alongside uh you got roger herkman's and and mirko mm-hmm. who their saturation that saturation pardon me <laughs> saturation Satur- saturation situation what's your situation <laughs> um their saturation's really toned down and it also works beautifully. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny, like, I, I can't be alone where I'm, like, somebody who enjoys both. And then, mm. I guess, subconsciously distill it into what I want. Um, because I don't, I certainly don't think about the saturation of other people's color while I'm doing the work that I'm sitting at the bench doing. Like, it never occurs to me to be like, hmm, maybe I should, I don't, you know, pull up a, Adam Wilder picture and, and, and work from that. Today, are we stealing the style of? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, st- we all steal the styles of everybody, so there's no shame. Yeah, but we do it subconsciously. We don't sit down and go through the menu and pick which one uh, we're going to do today. Yeah, but you can... You it, subconsciously, you, you bring it in, don't you? It is not hard to find people who have legitimately just, you know, copied... Some people just copy models. Yeah, yeah. absolutely do. I kind of do keep it in my head. Like, like I have, like, those that, that spectrum between like Rinaldi and Wilder. And in my mind, while I'm working, I'm constantly kind of checking, like, where am I at in that range? I don't know if that's the same thing or not, but I do it. No, I I just think that I I have an idea of how the project is going to look when it's finished. And that's what I'm constantly checking myself against. Like, is it going in that direction? Has something just happened that's changing maybe the way I thought it was going to look and now maybe I'm reevaluating what the final product's going to look like, but there's little checks and balances along the way, right? You you know, you know, when you've gone too far and you need to fix something, you know, when you've done something and you're just like, ah, it just needs, there's no punch, there's no oomph. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, that's, that's all, you know, kind of part and parcel of these micro decisions that we make while we're sitting at the bench. Like, it, it works or it doesn't work. It, it needs a push this way or, or, whoa, I've gone too far and maybe I need to kind of lay a neutral wash over some of this to bring it back in order. You know, um, it's it's more subconscious for me than a visual aid uh, of somebody else's work that I'm kind of trying to go by. It's kind of, I think it's it's really like reflective of the art school approach versus the engineering approach. 
Because, I mean, that's innate for you, right? You can do that subconsciously. I can't. I need, like, a slider <laughs> that I can control <laughs> to pick the right setting. No, no, I mean, I just, I know what I what I want it to look like. And that's, you know, so, um, there was a blog post that, uh, I, I can't recall who wrote it, but it was kind of in reference to one of our, um, our shows where we made the comment about model, modeling. John Byron. Yeah, it's not exercise. Yeah. It's fun. John Byron's, like, yeah, that's a, this was a really yeah. good blog post. It really was, because we throw the word fun around, uh, but I don't think we mean fun when we say fun. Like, mm, I didn't agree with his blog post either. I don't think it's ever work either. Well, we should probably it's difficult sometimes. We should probably yeah, I mean, uh, we should probably tell everybody what his premise was. I mean, in in a nutshell, yeah, yeah. he was just basically saying, "Yeah, I don't think of it as fun in the sense that I think of like going out to the bar with my bros as being fun." For him, model making is more developmental and. And it is a little bit like exercise where it's like a discipline that he pursues and it's not necessarily going to be like, woohoo, had a blast, you know, which I agree with. I mean, there, there are parts of modeling that are tedious, period, end of sentence, just tedious. Cleaning seams off road wheels, sanding seams down on fuselage halves, like it's tedious. It's just, if you can do it while the television program is playing... And not, yeah, and and can pay attention to both at the same time. Then come on, it's a little tedious, you know. But, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, but you're. Just I enjoy weird. doing it you're well. Just, you you're know, just it's weird. Like <laughs> I, I don't get satisfaction from doing something like that. Well, of course, you know right? I mean? But are you saying that you you are satisfied with the process as you're doing it? Or are you satisfied with the end result? I enjoy the process of doing something well. It's like it's the craft. I'm polishing craft. You know, it's the craft side. I You're like polishing it. the road wheels. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, without a flat spot, nice and smooth. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it. I, I, it's I, a certain amount of like OCD level satisfaction, right? Not like those guys that you say mount them on a fucking Dremel. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <it off>. Done. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people hate assembling, uh, you know, individual track links, and I just don't care. It's so it's, I, I count off a little pile of ten, and I count off yeah. a little pile of ten, and I do those ten. Same. I do another yeah. ten, and then I hook those two tens together, and then, you know, I just do it while, while there's a television show playing. It doesn't bother me. It's not tedious. It's not work. It's just repetitive. Mm. It's a repetitive task, but in the end, I get something real cool. Right. Yeah. But I should say, part of the, the thing with the blog, and I don't think John was doing it, but also I feel it's worth pointing out. Part of the problem that originally came up when we were talking to Paul and David was when people say, I model for fun, implying that other people don't because they don't do it the way they do. And just because I find something fun, I'm not saying that's the correct way to pursue the hobby. If someone else doesn't, that's full. That's cool. The whole point is some people do, some people don't. So, you know. And John's blog was good at that. You know, he said, well, it's good that... Although he seemed to be saying, I don't really see how you guys can call that fun. You're obviously not having fun because it's not fun sort of thing. I think, no, I think he was, to be more specific, I think he was maybe taking people to task for using the word fun 
when yeah well it got, it got a bit more semantic than <laughs> than, than uh discussive in a way but but i mean ultimately his, his satisfaction comes from having a, a finished model on the shelf which that, yeah. that's we all get that like that's the satisfaction we all experience now what happens in between unless you're chris and you just the act of building a model is fun <laughs> uh, versus finishing a model which he's admitted. I'm not. I'm not picking on him. I'm just saying he's admitted. It he's is satisfying for about five minutes. What to have a finished yeah. model? Yeah, yeah. And then I just want to do another one. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm a greedy. All... <laughs> no, but, no, because we all have a list of 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 ideas and things that we want to build, and we only have a finite amount of time to do it. It was yeah. It was really. Um interesting and good to read that he gets a lot of satisfaction out of looking at his built models and you know that's another way to do it and yeah i could totally relate to what a lot of guys were saying though about the difference like i mean you know like you guys just listening to you guys talk about the difference between what's fun and what's satisfying it hits home for me because because i mean i spent a large part of my life riding motocross and that was fucking fun like I spent Monday through Friday thinking about going to the track, getting ready to go to the track. And it was all about having a couple of hours of just pure adrenaline, you know, cause I was on a roller coaster that I controlled throwing myself a hundred feet through the air at 50 miles an hour. That was fucking fun, but there's no part of model making other than painting and weathering that I have anything like that level of anticipation for. Like I'm not, you know, like I do, I spend months thinking about, okay, I'm going to get to do some oil paint rendering, but the rest of it, it's like, okay, I got to do this. It's part of the building the canvas and it's satisfying, but it's not like, yeah, I'm going to go sand some seams today. You know, it's never like that. No, I, I feel Fucking like painters. For, for me... <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean that's going to come up here in a little bit. Us fucking painters, right? Yeah, As opposed because to, that, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to agree with Will on that. Like the thing that I spend the most time like planning through and walking through in my head and analyzing, like walking past the model while I'm not at the bench and looking at it and, and thinking, okay, well, next time I sit down, I need to try to adjust this and I want to do that. That's what I spend time actually in my head trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. And then, because I'm, I'm really enjoying it, so I sit down at the bench and I have the solution in my head and all I have to do is implement it with the tools that I have at the desk. And that implementation may take an hour. It may take all afternoon. But in I've already got it kind of figured out. And so that anticipation is being built up. Now, when it comes to slapping parts together on a kit, I don't have that unless I have to do something different to the kit. To solve unless the problem. I, right. So, you know what I said to, to David and Paul about how they must fucking feel very clever from time to time when they solve a little problem. That's, that's the, those are the times when I get joy out of building a model is when I've done something fucking clever, when I've done something and it's, I've pulled off something that I wasn't quite sure I could, something I haven't done before, but the rest of it, I mean, aside from seeing the vehicle like come into life by, the addition of parts. Um, there's not much exciting about building it. It's, it's fine. I don't. Yeah. It's not tedious to me, but it's also not exciting. 
to be fair, I don't build out the box. If I did, then yeah, I'd probably find it tedious. Yeah, you're the, con- the you're exciting con- part is the detailing and stuff, you know. Yeah, you are constantly problem solving, and and I think we all share that. This, you know, all that talk about, about <laughs> it's pathological. We create it, problems. It, it, so it we is. Solve yeah, them. I do, I do, I do. Even if it's I, like it may be subconscious, you know, I create my own problems just so I can unfuck myself. That canopy was fine before you started. <laughs> probably, I mean, there are plenty of guys who would definitely agree with you. They'd be like, yeah, what? I, I mean. You know, you, you it's but but I I think Your stalkers we, would. I think we all share that. That uh, I mean, I've really given it a lot of thought since we've talked so much about problem solving, and come to the full realization that problem solving is my happy place. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Now there, I mean, there are people out there who just open the box and build the model and paint it and put it on the shelf. And but for me, it's not just different... at the work. It's not just at the workbench. Like in life, my yeah. happy place is problem yeah. solving. Yeah, that's what I wake up for. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's what gives you uh, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. The, not more than satisfaction, yep. but um, yeah, e- satisfaction. ENTJ all the way, baby. <laughs> yeah, there there are certainly things related to work where I've come up with like some fucking solution to something or, or something. I've solved some sort of problem and. It's far more satisfying than, I don't know, the rest of work. It's more satisfying than paying the bills and writing the checks and balancing the checkbook and placing the orders. And, you know, although I I, I do get a good bit of satisfaction at work because I have always, everywhere I've worked, I've controlled the beer list. And so I pick the beers and I've got a really really good knowledge of beers i know what people like to drink i know even if i don't particularly love something other people do um it's like it's like 90s music right just because i don't like it doesn't uh, mean curating right right just because other people just because i don't enjoy it doesn't mean other people won't just because i don't enjoy it doesn't mean it won't sell and make me money so i enjoy curating a list that has something for everyone so, you know, like, Will, if you walked in, I got a fucking cider on draft that you'd love. <laughs> and I always, have, I always have a cider on draft. Like, I and always have and, a And you're going to be playing... Beer. No, Magnus. You're going to be playing Cinderella and Bon Jovi on the, on the loudspeakers for me, too, right? It's not without... <laughs> it's not... That's within the realm of possibility, yes. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I, no, no. No, no, I, no. no I gotta, <laughs> I've got a bartender from New Jersey and Bon Jovi makes an appearance quite a lot. But again, it's it's something else people like that I may not, but it's not offensive to other people. Like, right. I, I'm sorry, yeah. no widespread panic. That's... I, I, draw, I don't think anyone I, hates Bon Jovi. But you know, I don't think they hate Bon Jovi. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, but but I think um, the... I, I I've been I've been listening to some to, just coincidentally some podcasts and, and and that type of thing lately that makes me think that th- this is not just I mean like it's you know our happy place whatever you want to call it but and I'm no expert on any of this but there's clearly a school of thought out there that it's not just it's not just that it's just feel good. Like it is literally physiological, like success breeds, produces dopamine, right? Which makes you want to go do more. And when you're successful breeds more dopamine 
and even with testosterone, it's the same sort of thing. Be having a good workout produces testosterone, which makes you want to work out more. So, you know, there's something to all of it. So to bring this all back around the modeling, like it doesn't, the, the dopamine that you get from solving a problem or pulling off an intricate paint job is the same as the dopamine that a guy gets from finishing a model and putting it on its shelf or opening a box and building the model straight from the box and painting it. Like that's, that's the commonality there is like the completion of whatever our goal was is our commonality. That's where we get our satisfaction from. So it was a good blog post. We all agree. We yeah, it was. talked about yeah. it. It was, it was. If yeah, I'll put a link to it. Sorry, in the show notes because I think people should go over there and read the whole thing. I'd be a bit worried that we haven't maybe represented it fully. So if they can read it, they'll know exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's really well written. We did a really good did a yeah, really good it is really, really good well job with yeah. it. And what what you just said, Tracy, about the about the dopamine being the same, I think is a really important point to close with. Let's have some adverts to pay the bills. And when we come back, we're going to get into our discussion topic for this week, which is cliches we'd like to get rid of in modelling. Hi, I'm Scott, the creator and owner of the Scale Modeler Supply, Australia's largest manufacturer of hobby paints. Our premium airbrush-ready acrylic lacquer paints are designed specifically for use on plastics, with a comprehensive range covering all popular modelling subjects including military, aircraft, rail, auto, sci-fi and more. And not only that, but we also have a wide selection of essential hobby tools and now, infinite colour and new range of water-based paints for miniatures. So to check out our range and to find your closest retailer, please visit our website at scalemodeler.com.au. So when quality matters, choose SMS Paints. Yeah, so basically this is what the fuck is the problem with modelling? What the fuck? And this is all because of Tracy. It's his fault. Yep. <laughs> uh, we we were talking about cliches and, and Tracy brought up the idea of cliches. And, and I thought it was going to be a fun 10 minutes talking about buckets on the back of tanks and all that <laughs> shit. But Tracy had something a bit more serious and a bit more interesting. So uh, over to you, Tracy. You can kick us off. Well, what is the cliche? Okay, that look. You'd now like that you brought up modeling? now that you brought up buckets on tanks, um, how come there's never any rope on German tanks? <laughs> like, wouldn't you carry some rope around? Yeah, I don't know. No, that is a very. Okay, that is a very. I never even. I never even noticed. But you're totally right. Like, I, like, like people who build Shermans are all about that stowage, and there's yeah. ropes everywhere. Plus, model don't make PE rope. That's why. Uh, apparent, apparently, rope did not exist in Germany in 1944. I guess not. They saved it for hanging to political prisoners. Yeah, stringing <laughs> the rope. Okay, anyway, to get to the actual pet peeve that I brought up, um, it's the sexualization of women in in modeling, in, in our little hobby, our little... So there are times and places where I understand that it exists because it is part and parcel of the imagery of the, the genre, right? Fantasy. Uh, for better or worse, fantasy women are almost always, whether they're swinging a broadsword or have little fairy wings on their back, they're almost always in a little bikini. And it's always 
tits out, ass out. Right. A and very provocative even if, yeah, pose. It's, it's even, very if they, provocative. even if they're even if they're riding a polar bear through the polar wasteland. Absolutely. You're wearing ice. a little a little bronze <laughs> right. bikini. Freezing their I think, fucking. I think Will's talking about the dream he had last night. <laughs> oh, he's talking about any paperback cover from the seventies. Yeah. 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 Frank Frazetta or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I get it. That's part and parcel of that genre. And and I'm not complaining about that. Um what I'm complaining about is the fact that there's there's far too many, you know, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS with her little bikini and her German uniform and her riding crop or her tits out or whatever. Or girls, uh, what do they call them, the, the bikini warriors or something with their, you know, just wearing a, a flak jacket and no shirt and a little pair of G-strings with their helmet and their M16 like what the fuck man like i just i need a figure a female figure to go in my diorama and all i yeah, all i you fucking look at female figures yeah like just something that is actually representative of what you see in real fucking life not this fantasy fucking bullshit and you can't find them like many art are trickling them out in some of their sets but like they, they the bullshit far outnumbers what you would realistically see and there's no, like, dudes in thongs with, like, ripped up six-packs <laughs> and an M16. Like, I think Tracy's uh, putting out a call there. I'm just like, man, just stop. Just stop. Like, yeah. if, if you want to paint tits and ass, then paint fantasy figures. But just stop producing bullshit that we can't use in the 135th scale figure market when it comes to female figures and start producing some shit we can use. People are buying it, and without turning this into a different kind of podcast, the problem seems to be the image of women in a large part. Oh, of the absolutely, hobby. absolutely. People are buying right. it because I'll, there's no there's there's no way to compare the sales demographic or or sales breakdown of of people buying Ilsa She Wolf of the SS figures versus me wanting you know, a normal 1940s woman to put next to my tank because the fucking 1940s woman to put next to my tank doesn't exist. So how can you compare the sales of them? So it's, you know, I'm, I'm prepared for somebody to be like, well, I mean, it sells, so they're they're making it. Well, fucking try making the other thing and see if that sells. It might, but nobody's bothering with it, so you never know. Well, I'm fully with you, but my objections are slightly different. Um, I'm I'm a bit more sanguine about the sexualization aspect because i mean look we're dudes and dudes will be dudes and it's gonna happen and i i'm not gonna try to fight that battle no matter how silly i think you know a, a half naked chick with a ss cap on is for obvious reasons there's another reason that to me is way more direct and that's just that number one the moldings castings whatever they are invariably look like shit i'm like okay you're you're trying to depict this hot chick sitting on top of a tank but she looks like she fell out of an ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down so to start with it's a fail and then there's the fact that you probably can't paint her effectively she just looks terrible just stop you can't even paint the male figures that are properly attired very well much less deal with this other thing that requires a lot more skill and finesse so just stop (laughs) it's like 
you just can't pull it off. So stop trying. I mean, you know. Nah, I'll be the prude. I just don't like seeing Nazi porn. No, I don't disagree with that either. Trust me, I'm not. I'm not in. I'm not in any way saying that. That's yeah. But it's not just Nazi porn. You know, again, yeah, it's it, it, it becomes about like how women are represented in this hobby. Yeah. And I, I know the figures you're talking about, they're like modern American or whatever, and it's it's babe with big ass and high heels or whatever and big tits with a flat jacket on sat on crate sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, or like, geez. The, the thing is, it's gratuitous in the sense of there's no purpose for it, it other than to look hot. It's 100% gratuitous, and that is the only purpose. And my only point is, if you're going to do it, at least do it well. <laughs> Well, I mean, that should be our mantra for anybody producing figures of yes, any kind. It should. Like, yeah. Just come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, should. It, it should. It's funny to look back at the... Because um, there's been a couple of posts that I've seen recently where people have taken, like, stock Tamiya, old-school Tamiya kits, ran the half-track with the guys jumping out of it, and just use what's in the box and paint them really well. But even though they're painted really well, they're, you can't... You can't change how bad or how unrealistic the anatomy is. Mm-hmm. Where where people yeah. are like standing or completely erect, holding a gun to their chest, walking down a road. Like that's not the way any soldier ever walked down a road. Um, but what's funny, and I think this, I apologize if I am putting words in their mouth, but I think this kind of came up during the um, the Built Sideways episode. Uh, podcast episode where they talked about uh, sexism in the hobby. And it was just one of these little things that I, and again, I think I heard it there and it kind of stuck with me. And I apologize if I heard it somewhere else and I'm not giving the proper credit or if I'm uh, putting words in the mouths of the guys at, at Built Sideways. But what I heard was somebody mentioned that the majority of all creative hobbies are done mostly by females knitting you know you know i don't know scrapbooking i don't know like it kind of did strike it uh, a chord with me like most of the creative hobbies hobbies are are basically female and you have to wonder if this little miniature figure toy tank airplane painting part of the creative world is being sort of so aggressively claimed by men that the the little titty figures are are what you get. You're like, "Uh, no, I'm a dude. I'm a dude. Uh, See, this is not a girl's hobby. It's a dude's hobby. Because look at the tits on this figure. Yeah, Will's over there with his eyebrow up like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Well, I no, I don't know. I mean, I'm always, like, I think that these... um sort of deeper psychological explanations are definitely a thing. I'm not discounting that at all. But it's kind of like when Matt McDougall was exploring the overabundance or overrepresentation of Nazi subjects and, you know, positing a, a lot of these sort of deeper psychological reasons why that may be true. And a lot of guys are like, yeah, I just think shit looks cool. And, 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 and there's, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for the, the counter argument to that was, well, that's kind of a cop out or that's kind of a lame line of reasoning. 
And my, again, I'm a little more pragmatic and a little more sanguine about it because I think dudes honestly are just kind of simple minded and we just like shit that looks cool. (laughs) We We can't necessarily explain why. And I do think that it is a legitimate explanation for a certain portion of what happens that we're, you know, that we're talking about. Right, but the things that, that guys would get lumped into things that we think, get, you know, as guys, just the general blanket terms guys think looks cool, they're all very masculine things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you paint a skull on the gas tank of your of your motorcycle, you're like, oh, that looks cool. Well, Fuck that, yeah, skulls, man! <laughs> again, like, like, kind of a super masculine image. Like, if you're... Yeah. If you're really good at airbrushing and you don't want people to think that any less of you as a man, then you airbrush a half-naked woman on the side of a van. You know, like the imagery... This is so going to get me into trouble with some listeners. (laughs) But whenever I see someone going that hyper-masculine, I always think... you're trying to convince someone of something. You're trying too hard. Do you know what I mean? But but... It's like with these sexy pin-up figures too. I think, really? You're trying a bit hard there. Well, I, I mean, mean I, you're I'm gonna you're gonna, you're gonna hate me for this. I have a helmet from my motocross days that I had custom painted by a guy who was a you know really really good helmet painter. I will love it and if it's just a tit. If it's just painted it, as one tit. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, Is it purple? Do saw, you polish it? I saw a picture of I saw a picture of one the other day that that would make you happier. It was painted. The whole helmet was painted like a cheeseburger. <laughs> But but this helmet, I mean, I there's a cartoon character of a really hot superhero chick that I loved back in the 90s. And I had him do the whole helmet with her on there as the motif. It's 100% pinup art. 100%. And the only, and I didn't do it because I was trying to be more masculine. I did it because I thought it was beautiful. Because I think she was cool. She was sexy. I didn't have a more complicated reason for it. I, you know, I, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm simple. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that any of this is due to somebody trying to appear more masculine. It, it's more like to, to, to sort I of... I think some guys are, though. I, th- I think Chris is right. I, I do. I think that in some cases it is a display of, I'm a man. You know, I'm... Like, I'm going to prove to everybody how not gay I am by having pictures of naked women on my shit, right? It, it's a well, thing. Well, okay, let's, let's, go, let's go even further back, because I don't think it's about being not gay. It's about being, like, a strong man, right? <laughs> Whatever. Being, being, being brave, right? Welcome to Psychology Today. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first thing I thought of was, like, okay, what about all the guys with their, their P40s with screaming skulls on the front of them? Like, mm-hmm. okay, those dudes had balls as big as steel, Right. Yeah, also, they're really cool. They are really cool. <laughs> right, so, right. That's undermining my previous point about overcompensation. And likewise, what about the guys flying the Memphis Bell who had a picture of, of pin Bell? Up art. Pin right. up yeah, pin-up on, on aircraft and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that any of those guys were trying to prove masculinity. Like, th- let's just They didn't have with, to. With the screen they, and skull. Also, though... They're, they're not... They were young, horny guys in their 20s. Absolutely. And when a 50-year-old yep. modeler paints a little titty Nazi, that's a bit different. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, for Maybe. sure. Um, I mean, it's... Th- those are 
you know, the, the Screaming Skulls on the front of the P-40s, those go all the way back. They have their roots in, like, in face painting of Native Americans or Vikings. Like, they're just there to scare mm-hmm. the shit out of the yeah, enemy, to intimidate absolutely. the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a psychological thing, a lot more than, like... Uh, or to make the guy flying it feel like... Invincible. I'm, exactly. I'm putting on my war paint so I can be a badass. It's right. a thing. Yeah. That's, so that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, why are there so many dumb fucking pseudo-porno little 135th scale Nazi figures? Like That is a different thing, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. So that that's mine. That's my pet peeve. And and we've hammered that, and I'm sure we'll get some, <laughs> some fucking email about we've it. cracked the lid off a massive fucking can of worms, yeah. and we look forward to your letters, frankly. <laughs> Well, what's your pet peeve? <laughs> well, um, you, you and what would you like to d- delete from modeling? This this might be we, you and I may be sharing this one. I don't know, um, but you know somebody somebody sent me. I I I get these. Uh, it's <laughs> it's funny as uh, as uh, one of the one of the trio here of this podcast, and you know, given the things that we talk about here and in SMCG. You know, people will send me stuff. They'll be like, hey, have you seen this? You're going to think this is hilarious. Or you're going to think, look at this stupid shit. And so one day recently, somebody sent me a screen cap of this rant from some guy's uh, modeling page. And basically, it was a thousand words about how uh, building is the most important thing. If you can't build, oh, yeah. if you can't build it properly... Then anyone could paint. Then right, nothing else matters. <laughs> Funny because evidence seems to prove and, otherwise. And <laughs> right, and anybody can paint. And weathering and storytelling is dumb. And weathering is easy. And you know, first of all, you know, I mean, I had to look around, and I'm like, okay, well, if weathering and painting is so easy, then why are you so bad at it? Because that was a hard fact. And, you know, a lot of the commentary that, you know, that was in the fuck yeah category. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. That's right. Well said. Who, you know, here, here. And you look at those guys stuff and it's the same kind of shit. It's the dudes who like to build 90s box art that's mono, you know, monochrome and has no visible style. I mean, I guess 90s box art is a style, but and look, let me let me say what I've always said. If that's what you like, that's okay. But the whole point of this is that this is just another level of fucking gatekeeping. This is a whole nother episode of you're doing it wrong because you like something different than what I like. And I know that in general that that's a, 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 a trope that all three of us hate. But this is a very specific example of it. And I just... I, I feel like that this is one of the best ways to identify yourself as 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 dumb as fuck is to like go out there ranting on a hilltop about the idea that there's this alleged separation between builders and painters. Like this dude goes on and on about how, well, you know, I see all these models that are super well painted that have all these construction flaws. And I'm like, what fucking internet are you looking at? Because I just I just don't see well, it that often. I don't see it that often. Maybe he's got my internet connection. Yeah. 
I don't see it that often, but <laughs> I have a problem with what he's implying, though. You know, like here, let's say that this guy, all he's ever focused on is building correctly, building mm-hmm. everything straight and narrow and like fucking great. There are other people out there who are just starting who want to be good at both aspects of it. Mm-hmm. They want to be good at building and they want to be good at painting. And he seems to be saying you can't even start the painting process until you've completed the... It's not... <laughs> you don't graduate from elementary school and go to middle school. You can do both at the same time. You can work on both skills. You can build it. And even if it's got a few flaws, you can start to work on your painting. That way both progress at an equal rate. And then you don't have people who are, I don't know, fucking grumpy that any any little dot of oil paint on a, on a model is out of place because weathering never happened and... All you're doing is using weathering to cover your flaws. Like, man, give people the chance to build, to develop those skills at the same time. Like, don't tear them down for being like, like, you can't do that because you don't know how to build. Like, fuck you. I can, I can build it. I can build as well as I can and paint as well as I can and call that a completed model and move on to the next one. So you can kiss my ass. Yeah. Also, it's not, you know, it's not a trade school. You're not there to like past certain qualifications you're, you're not building a house stage. you're building a model you, right right you can do what the fuck you want whenever the fuck you want it's your model yeah. right and but i do feel like there is not a parity of esteem between building and painting everyone's like no 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 painting's like artistic and that and building fuck it anyone can build even you guys earlier said uh just slap parts together to get to the enjoyment the painting stage and you know that doesn't mean that you're not doing it well Really good modelers are really good at both. That's exactly And true. I tend to find by the time someone's got really good at painting, whether by accident or design, they got good at building along the way. They didn't like, you know, totally ignore building and just like purely for the focus of painting. They learned to build as well, you know. And I've seen very, I've seen a few, I've seen a handful of really quite badly built models that are very nicely painted, but not many. And, you know, that's over 20 years. A handful is is uh, statistically insignificant, as they say. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really it's a really much more rare thing than than this than this poor guy would would allow. And look, I get the, I understand the logic. Okay, yes, I want my canvas to be properly prepared before I start painting on it. Duh, why wouldn't you? But I find that this claim that there's this binary divide is a very and again I'm not trying to talk shit on IPMS right now, but this is this is the the reality. <laughs> it it is a it's all right. It's been a couple of weeks <laughs> since she last did. It, it is a very it it is it, it would be it, it would be no surprise to anybody that this guy is a very IPMS centric dude. And that this is a very IPMS centric sort of point of view because their entire judging paradigm is build first, paint later, and that's the way that the model is evaluated, and and it's endemic in that in that part of the community. So I and, and I understand it on an intellectual level, but when you start using it as a gatekeeping mechanism, I, it, it's it's exclusionary and it's bullshit, just like Tracy was saying. But the other thing is, I think it's just fucking wrong. I mean, again, like I like take guys like Lester Plaskett or Paul Budzik or Uncle Night Shift, any of these guys, 
they're not making this choice. They're not sitting there at their bench going, oh yeah, I'm just going to blow this shit off and slap these parts together and leave the, leave the seam lines untended to and, you know, just so I can paint. They're not doing that. They exercise an equal level of craftsmanship through the entire process. And it's evident in the in the results and when you watch the work in progress stuff. And I just think that this sort of, you know, claim that that it's one or the other and that there's all these examples out there is just it's just just weak sauce, like the weakest of sauce, because I just don't see it. So we also don't see guys like Lester Plastic and, and Paul Budzig and the Night Shift going on these fucking dumb rants. Exactly, because they're too busy. They're too busy building good shit. Or they're also just not interested in like busting other people down, which is all this guy is trying to do. Well, and that's what gives himself up. I kind of feel like when people do stuff like that, what it smells like to me is that they feel they're being hard done by, that they're not Mm -hmm. being respected enough for the way they model. And then the the issue there is, why do you need other people to respect you? It's not like you know that your style isn't popular right now or whatever that's the, the uh, issue yep. is you're looking in the wrong places that's a hundred percent it i think it's an absolute ego issue it's like i don't feel good about my shit so therefore you must feel bad about yours so that we can be on equal footing <laughs> and there are lots of guys that think painting is all fatty and bullshit so it's not like he's on his own so you know just well yeah, it's, it's pure peanut gallery stuff, isn't it? He went out to look for a receptive audience, said the things he knew would go down well, and then sat back and waited for them to go down well. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. a bit like us with this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> give me my dopamine! <laughs> Please, send your letters and give us validation too. <laughs> anyway, so I've already given that clown way more oxygen than was deserved, but that's 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 my that's my rant. I would like to say, though, that I think Adam Wilder doesn't get enough credit for his building. One of the things, you know, Adam Wilder's models are amazing. He is a badass. Phenomenal builder. Absolutely. As well as a phenomenal painter. So is yeah. Alex Clark, you know. And, and mm-hmm. next time you look at their models, look past the paint, look at the, the actual model, and you'll see an awful lot of really great stuff there. All those guys. Eye candy to yeah. look at. All those guys. All yeah. those guys. And, yeah, I mean, you will occasionally see a guy do a really good job, and you'll and be like, yeah, well, there's a little bit of a seam showing. But I again, I generally find that, yeah. that they kind of go hand in hand. That that, that if if the building is eighty percent, then so is every is the painting and the weathering. I don't I don't see a separation. If I see someone's model and the the build is mostly amazing and the paint's mostly amazing and they missed one seam line, I'm not going to IPMS ding it and and to write it off as a model. It's still a great model. Mm-hmm. Okay, it doesn't have to build doesn't have to be perfect for it to be a great model. It has to be very good. And the paint has to be very good. But a very a perfect built model with a shit paint job is not as good as a good model with a good paint job. I agree. Because with you. You the s- hobby is both things. It well, is. I think the hobby is. is both things anyway. It is. All right, Mettings, your turn. What's your what what's your what's the burr under your saddle today? So yeah, the big burr in my saddle is intellectual property theft. Okay. There's a lot of modelers out there. When I go, okay, it's like here comes a rant. <laughs> there are a lot of modelers out there. We all settle in, like, okay. Think that this is this hobby is a wonderful thing that should be free for everyone because it's so wonderful and it's such a glorious thing that it should be free for everyone. It isn't, all right. The two big things that really piss me off about this are people that 
rip off books with PDFs and stuff like that. I think it's okay to download magazines instead of buying them. Well, obviously you can download the one you bought, but to download it illegally rather than buying it or to to download a book or whatever because oh, I haven't got any money, so I, I deserve the book because I can't afford to buy a book. And it's like, these are the same guys that have got 500 kits in their stash. They can afford a fucking book. And on the same other side of the same coin, recasters, people who don't want to pay for miniatures but want to paint lots and lots of miniatures so they buy cheap knockoff recasts from usually from a certain well-known auction site uh, and usually all coming from either china or russia i i got no time for people that think they deserve to have something cheaper than it costs to make or even they think it's too expensive well bad luck i think lamborghinis are too expensive doesn't mean i deserve to be able to buy one for 100 quid but if there was one available for a hundred quid, you'd buy it, right? Probably not. Probably no. It'd be shit for hundred quid, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's the same with recasting. Because what do you get when it comes? Yeah. A poorly cast piece of shit, full of bubbles and covered in crap. Because recasters don't care that you can maybe get thirty good casts out of a mold. They'll keep going until that mold falls apart. They'll do sixty, seventy out of it, and they won't care. Unlike the manufacturer who stops when the mold starts to show anywhere at all and makes a new mold. They'll keep going and keep going to keep their costs down and their profit up. Yeah. And they haven't had to pay a sculptor, you know. Well, they put no effort into anything, really, except no. producing a knockoff copy of something. Um, but yeah, the people who, uh, who generate these PDFs of books and magazines, like, okay, they, they bought one copy of the book or magazine and, and laid it on a scanner for, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes to scan the whole thing. And yeah, it's just dickhead shit. People ask me why I don't do ebooks. And it's like, well, basically, the only way I can produce an ebook at the moment is PDF. And I'm not going to make it easy for them. Yeah. If they want to do it, they can stand next to a fucking scanner and scan it. They can put some effort into ripping my stuff off. Right. And that's something that you wonder how much progress is being made in the publication industry with uh, some sort of document that's got permissions or, or is needs to be That's unlocked not, yeah not copyable yeah problem is whatever you can lock you can always unlock yeah uh i mean a similar thing is going on now with with uh when will comes back from the toilet i'm sure we'll have something to say about this with um when you download files to print and people sharing files they download to print and so the original designer of the file only gets one license when they should be getting two it's not a lot of money you you know people say oh it doesn't really matter it's only ten dollars well a lot of ten dollars makes you know ten makes a hundred a oh, hundred makes a thousand there, you know there's nobody listening to this right now that wouldn't stop and pick up ten dollars off the street there's nobody the listening point is though that would keep walking they past the ten dollar bill they think oh it's not doing much harm and it's like but it is you know and hundreds of hours go into making a book or making a good 3d design and the people that do it deserve to get paid for it if they don't deserve to get paid for it why do you deserve to have it for free well, I'm back from the from the John, and I total. I mean, yeah, I totally agree because I'm like I'm working on a kit design, and ultimately I'm hoping to put that out there as a set of STL files that people can buy and print for themselves. And yeah, I'm worried about the idea that somebody's going to do that and then hand it off to their bro, and they'll get to do it for they'll get to print it for free. And you know, the, the, I mean, the, the the there's just not a good answer for it at this point because. There's no technology that allows you to put, you know, embed something in an STL file that allows it to only be used a certain number of times, once, whatever that is. 
and and it and that's problematic. I mean, let's say you could, right? Well, what do you do about the fact that oftentimes your first print fails? You need to print it again. And, or maybe you want to make more than one model. I mean, you should be entitled to make multiple copies of your own model from one STL file. I don't, I mean, to me, that's, that's not a problem, but yeah, I don't know what to do. And a lot of these guys who are producing figures and, and, you know, busts and things like that and selling the STL files have sort of solved the problem, if you want to call it that, by just making the price low enough to where hopefully people will give up the $10 bill laying on the sidewalk in favor. It's just easier of, yeah, yeah. to buy it than to, yeah. yeah. yeah it, um, it, it, so I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's a thing, but uh, in general, the idea of intellectual property theft. Yeah. There's just no, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it cause it's, it's, just, it, it, it's just wrong. And, you know, don't justify it with stupid shit like, well, you know, I took, you know, I, I grabbed some pencils from the office and took them home with me. Yeah, that's theft. Sorry, that's theft. Was it of consequence? No, but it's still theft. Don't church it up. I think what you're going to hear more than anything else is people saying, well, I mean, I'm not very good at painting, so I don't want to spend the money on, a, you know, a legitimate figure because I'm just going to mess it up. Like. <laughs> that's not that's not an excuse so yeah tough shit sorry pay your dues just strip the paint off and do it again pay your dues like everybody else the other thing that i don't get either is people morally there should be no distinction between downloading an illegal copy of a book say from a small publisher or from random house you know theft is theft right but there are people out there who are thinking oh, it doesn't matter they're big companies it's not you know they're not going to notice the loss and everything else most of the companies in modeling, in fact, all of the companies in modeling are small. Even Tamiya is not a huge corporation by corporation standards. You know, companies like, um, uh, say, Gecko Models, stuff like that. There's only a few people that work at those companies. They're not big companies. So, And people like myself that publish books, I call it a company. I say we because, you know, it always pays to look more impressive than you are. It's me. <laughs> it's just me. And the most miniature companies are one, maybe two guys. That's it. So these are people who are using it, to, who can't even afford to employ someone. So they're using what meager profits they get from it to support their lives in some way, often as a second job. Do you really want to take that little bit of money out of their pocket so that you can have something cheap? Well, for me... Well, probably you do. In which case, I don't want to know you, you're an arsehole. For me, the bottom line is if you're justifying your theft based on size, your moral compass is pointing in the wrong direction. That's Theft is theft is theft. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> on that cheerful note, <laughs> <laughs> let's have a couple of adverts, and then after that we're going to go into our interview with uh, Brian Denclau. Brian is he's just an all-round maker, really. He's an amazing guy. Been doing a lot of different stuff for a long time, and one of four currently hosts on the Built Sideways podcast. Do go and give it a listen, it's a really good show. All right, so here's the interview. Hey, Sprue Crudders, Chris here. By now, you should all know that my favorite photo etch manufacturer is tetramodel.com from South Korea. Tetra make the best photo etch I've probably used, it's always really finely detailed nicely etched, clean and precise with the best parts that are easy to fold and easy to use. 
Tetra have now added some exciting new products to their 135th and 172nd AFE lines and to their ship modelling lines, including 135th Jackal 1 High Mobility Weapon Platform Detail Upset for the Hobby Boss Kit, 172nd M983 Hempton M901 Launching Station for the MIM104F Pack 3 for Trumpeter, 172nd M1120 Hempt Load Handling System Detail Upset for Trumpeter, 1700 PLA Navy Type 051C Destroyer Detail Upset also for Trumpeter, 1700 Type 23 Frigate HMS Westminster F237 Detail Upset for Trumpeter, 1700 JMSDF Maya Class DDG Detail Upset for Pit Road, and two sets of road signs in 124 for 135th for Korean road signs for that interesting diorama project maybe featuring South Korean or US forces. All this in addition to their already outstanding range of armour, air and AFV photo etch and detail upsets. Go to tetramodel.com or ask your dealer about tetramodel photo etch and detail upsets today. Gangsters, let's talk about the details. Because I think you'll all agree, the details matter. And if you're as obsessed by detail as we are at the Sprue Cutters Union, you should be buying parts from Annas. Look, I've known Tom Annas for a while, and I can tell you that he is a man with a single-minded dedication to improving detail. Whether it's 3D printed parts like knobs, switches, connectors that you can use in cockpits, decals, braided lines for your engines and hoses, or even 3D files that you can print at home on your own 3D printer, Tom's got you covered. He's really thought this through because he's a model maker and he uses this stuff himself. And now, Anis is also the European Union seller for the new book from Inside the Armor called Perfect Pits. So not only can you buy the stuff you need, you can read all about how to use it in this neat little volume that our very own Chris Meddings has produced and it includes articles from Tom, your own Veen, and myself. And don't forget, you can get a Sprue Cutters Union exclusive discount, 15% off when you enter the code SCU at checkout. So if the details matter as much to you as they do to us, head on over to Anyz, that's A-N-Y-Z dot I-O right now and arm yourself with everything you need for your very own perfect pit. We have the amazing Brian Denklau with us today from Built Sideways, also known as Bro Builder uh, on Instagram uh, and whatnot. Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Built Sideways? Uh, geez, um, I'm just a regular guy like everybody else. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm amazing or anything like that or whatever you said. I, I can't even. Yeah, no. Yeah, so um... I'll cut that out. You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Please let's keep it real. Yeah, I'm. Uh, Grew up in the Midwest, uh, building models as a kid, like all everybody else did, and I uh, was always into art and uh, into just like fabrication, building things like houses and stuff. I got in all that shit when I was a little <laughs> like kid. Houses and kinda, like houses and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got actually. I, I, yeah. I'm. I've always been like a jack of all trades, right? And I adhere to that shit wholeheartedly. Like I know just a little, a little bit about a whole lot of shit, and it's enough to be dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, or handy. Uh, and so, um, 
yeah, so I grew up doing all that stuff and it all kind of like perpetuated through uh, until I got out here to the East Coast and uh, got into doing some some metalworking because I always wanted to learn. There's like a few things. I had like a list, you know, of shit you want to learn, like masonry and like stone cutting, glasswork, ceramics, you know, woodworking, leatherworking, uh, metalworking. All of that stuff is in that list. And as I started to check those things off, it got like lower and lower. And out here, I picked up metalworking and I got into a shop and that was incredibly rewarding. Um, working there and learning actually on the job. You're the guy we want to have around in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Brian, my tile's cracked from zombies. Come over and fix my tile. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, just put hey, some caulk in it. You're fine. Hey, hey it's a good, it's a good survival strategy. You're, you know, you're making yourself, you're making yourself valuable when, you know, everybody's going to be true. killing each other for, for, for canned peaches. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you need a Smith, right? So uh, learning that stuff is like, yeah, that stuff is all really, really, and it's incredibly fun to do. And uh, I'm like really intrigued by learning everything I can. So, um, and then, yeah, that working with the metal shop, um, I got into doing some movie stuff, which was pretty freaking cool to have the opportunity to work with some, some movies and uh, do more sculptural stuff. So I got to work with some larger name sculptures uh, that they didn't know about. Cause like the gallery would come to us and be like, look, we know, that you're the guy that can polish the mirrored moon. So we need you. We're going to send you a four foot mirror globe moon and you're going to polish the scratches out of it that the art handlers put into it. So I did that once, which was wild. Um, and like they've worked on these massive uh, busts for this other artist. I can't name these names because they don't know that I did this work. And if the galleries got in trouble, then that could be like really bad. So um, yeah, I'm like, I'm like the wolf, you know, they send me in to do like the sneaky shit and clean it up. And then like, <laughs> so that was fun and rewarding, but I don't do that anymore uh, because of pandemic. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to talk about like model making and stuff like that through the work at the metal shop, um, I well, hang on, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. Before we get to that, <laughs> I want to bro down for a minute on the metalworking. So, so just you know, because I I have that in my background too. So, so oh, I well, I, I'm I'm hearing some welding. Uh, oh maybe, yeah, you know, lots lots of that. Um, I was a head finisher, and uh, so I started with this company when it was just four guys, and then I came in, and then two guys left. So it was like me and the two bosses. Um, I have like a knack for finishing and for for surface condition so i i took to that and they didn't really have a program or any sort of like uh rubric imp implemented or even designed so i developed that for them developed a lot of techniques uh taught myself to how to polish um and then that carried into um more of that end of things but then all along you know i'm learning welding like mig welding and tig welding and sick welding nice. arc welding nice. and um and then machining like regular old school stuff like an old we had this old bailey uh leblonde dual drive 15 and a half inch engine lathe that's what i learned to um nice. learn to lathe on which is great spend make cool things like time, ashtrays spend, <laughs> spend some time in front of a bridge port probably yeah yeah plenty of times in front lots of times in front cool. of bridgeport bridgeport's my friend um cheers and all the regular stuff like that like breaks and then um a little bit of stuff with like plasma cutting but mostly just hand plasma cutting i didn't really get into the cnc end of that uh with the company because i spent more time doing I like a hand, I'm a hands-on guy, I like a file, not like a computer file, but like, like a file. Like, <laughs> that was like the first tool I ever learned back when I was like, geez, I don't know, six or seven, learned how to use was a file. So 
my stepdad or my dad was a locksmith and he had me making keys. Very cool. And using, <laughs> yeah. using a file is not as simple as a lot of people assume. I mean, there's definitely exactly a, definitely a skill to that. Well, I need to I need to enlist you to help me with my stupid uh, foiling thing and all my polishing angst that I've had with that. Oh shit. yeah, yeah. Sounds like you could be a good a good. I good could. On that. It depends, cause like, man, that can be a rabbit hole. Uh, oh and yeah, <laughs> you know, really, like, even more so. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Cause I've heard what you, cause you've been using tape, right? And then you've been having issues like burnishing down the tape and getting the proper surface condition because you're looking for something that's like fucking smooth, right? Well, yeah, my, I mean, my issue was that every foil that I was able to try was just dead soft aluminum. Right. And you know, the challenges right. of trying to polish something that's dead soft. And I just kept thinking, well, they fucking do it with gold. They do it with, you know, in the jewelry business. But even, I mean, even, I guess even like, like uh, gold jewelry is hardened with something. There's an alloy in there. I forget yeah. what it is, but you know, it's just, I mean, dead soft aluminum is just gummy. You know that. Yes. Does yeah, a machine absolutely. worth a shit? Does it, you know, yep. and it, it, it the, clogs. If you, yeah, if you get something that is going to be able to hold the polish, because you can polish a semi-soft aluminum, like a 3000 series aluminum right, um, with a, right. a bunch of wheels and time and, mm-hmm. and just like right. whatever. Uh, you can get a shine out of it, but it will not stay shiny. It will tarnish from the air and it just and is going to get a haze. And a, yeah, and a 3000 series aluminum is way better than a 1000 series, which is what all foil it, is. Yeah, because it won't bend, right? <laughs> right, exactly, and and well, and it doesn't have to be any better than that to wrap around a sandwich. You know, nobody mm-hmm. cares, and it's cheap. Um, but I did discover some that you know, there's some some full hard foil out there, but it's really hard to get. And I finally, <laughs> yeah, you just have oh, yeah. to talk. You want to get it as hard as you can. You, you really do need to, to get it yeah, hard. You just have to talk to it in the in the right way. People it's think, about burning. You got to burnish it. You just really got to keep burnishing it yeah, and rubbing yep, yep. it, polish yeah. it. Steve People Martin's assume that it's uh, uh, that it's all that it's all it's you know that it's the science of heat treating, but it's really none of that. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. You well, it doesn't the, help if it's cold. <laughs> well you know and then the material work hardens and you get a lot of weird yeah. things that go on with that like yeah yeah so. but i did finally get some samples out of some guys of some half mil h19 1235 and i'm i haven't tried it yet but i i have I'm, i have high hopes that it will solve all of my problems i don't know we'll see yeah there's some japanese modelers that do some amazing work and i am interested in what their products are. i don't really i mean i i like to see the imagery but i don't go through the process of um going to google translate and blah 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 mm-hmm. so there's a dude uh he's on he's on instagram who uses the hasagawa mirror chrome uh it's basically a sticker mm-hmm. have you seen that stuff it comes in several different so. finishes and it, it is basically super super thin vinyl that's mm-hmm. got a chrome coating on it and, like and, and right? yeah i don't think it's mylar though because i think mylar doesn't stretch and this stuff okay. is definitely pliable enough to conform to compound curves but and i got some and then i and then i searched the world over to get the uh the the so-called setting solution that hasagawa makes for that stuff and i i've tried it every way i can think of and i cannot make that shit work i mean he gets it to conform <laughs> to rivets and panel lines and it's amazeballs. Like he's got a B17 on Instagram that, that looks like the whole thing looks like it was polished 
you know, to the gnat's ass. And all the panel lines and rivets and everything are there. And I, I just, I don't know how to make it work. Uh, you know, I don't know that it's the right thing anyway, but I'm just frustrated mm-hmm. that I couldn't figure out how to do it. So, yeah. Well, anyway, you know, yeah, like you no, said, I'm it's gonna, a rabbit I, hole. It is, but I'm also, you know, interested in it as well because I'm going to be working on a, what's this thing down here? Is an Avenger? No, no, it's the other one. The Dauntless. The ISB one. I got a few of these uh, accurates, right? And I want to do oh, the... Yeah. I want to do the oh. shine finish, but um, <laughs> I'll have yeah, wait, too. wait yeah, a minute. Is this, is this your first? I don't know. If we're going to get into this more. Is this your first aircraft kit? No, 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 no. Um, I well, so I grew up building models, right? So I built a shitload of models when I was a little kid, like a dog with a bone, just fucking building them out, cranking them out. And then I got into painting, but it was all stick painting, brush painting with the fucking uh, testers, uh, enamels, the little jars, right? Uh, or those paint pens, those cheap shits that they used to sell back in like the late 80s and the early 90s, they were just atrocious. But that's what I had to work with or a rattle can, right? I'm in the middle of the Midwest in Iowa and it's a very, very small town. There ain't shit around except the true value. So you take what you can get. And uh, so, yeah, but I built a lot of aircraft back in the day, but that was all Ravel monogram. And I built a lot of hot rods, monster trucks, NASCARs, all that shit. Um, and then... Got into doing some ships, so I built the Missouri, and then that I painted out too, which was pretty interesting because it was the most like tiny little shit that I've ever had to deal with at that time. But I was like eleven, so. Um... And then after that, I got the uh, the Cuddy Sark. Can you guys are familiar with the Cuddy Sark, the big box? Yeah. Right? And that <laughs> yeah. that killed me. That literally killed me, and I got interested in. That's killed girls. Many a model, that kid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then I yeah, so I took a huge break and uh, got back into it like through a weird route. <laughs> well, given the choice between that and girls, anybody would choose girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even <right>? other girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh yeah, so but getting back you know, yeah, getting back into it was um an interesting thing because it was it stemmed out of the um the metalworking. And uh that is where oh, there you go. And these are ones oh sorry, you're talking about model kits. Yeah, and these are more more recent ones. So this is um uh, I built this earlier this year. I just wanted to show Will that you actually build yeah. things. <laughs> so I build, I build planes. I got, I got an A10. I did uh, the Tamiya A10, the one back from back in '91. Oh yeah, that was nice. And yeah. uh, I reversed all the the panel lines on it because they were all raised. But then after I rever- spent the time rescribing every fucking panel line on it and then adding a bunch of shit to it, I realized that they're actually supposed to be rivet lines, not panel lines at all so like a good thing i have another one i guess i can make it right and put actual rivets on it instead of yeah there's the there's the a10 okay so i'm to gonna do... go i'm gonna go look on <laughs> is, is that is that all on your facebook page yep. it's on the instagram yep. some of it's on the facebook too yeah are you on are you on facebook right i'm now? on yeah. the facebook oh yeah yeah, yeah on yeah. the face page cool yeah yeah yeah. there you go i'm gonna go um, there because chris's feed is all speckledy and i can't see shit <laughs> Uh, yeah, this one was fun. This was a, kind of like a what if. I did a Machine and Creaker build for Lincoln's group. Um, mm. Gosh, paint a couple years ago. Yeah, Paint on Plastic, the Paint on Plastic group. And uh, for the Mach-K build for 2021. And I took a gross, grosser hunt and I totally ramped it all out. I added extra arms to it and added like a Matrix-esque style seat that I cobbled out of like, you know, all scratch parts like or, uh kind of like scratch bash so some of it is scratch built some of it is kit bash and then i put like this little little girl pilot figure in there and i built this whole control system for it and uh 
Yeah, and then that paint style that I did with that, which was a reverse of the normal thing. Usually when you see that stuff before, you would see a darker color on top and a lighter color on bottom for the uh, the make. So I flipped the script and I did like an almost white gray on top and then that blue on the bottom. And I really liked it so much that I put it on the A10 for a what if. And it's just a blast to do that, the layers and all that underpainting. Well, and... The real question is, did you put the legs on correctly? Did you, did, you put, did you put the legs on correctly? No, it's a grosso hunt. Actually, I, I modified it. So I extended all of the legs and I added, um, I extended added a lot. Pogo of, sticks. So. Oh, and that's right. That was the grosser hunt is, is different. I yeah. was, that's right. Yeah. I was that's the big, the, I was yeah, the big dog. Yeah, that's the big dog. I couldn't find the pictures. I was over there looking. I couldn't find them easily. So anyway, it's all good. But that's, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's, I, I thought you were strictly, because uh, I confess I have not had the time to look through all your stuff. And I thought you were purely cool. doing the, uh, the Gundam thing. So that's oh, cool yeah, to actually, see the aircraft. And those are, le- I mean, I can even see from, cri- even, even with the, the bad pictures that the, the I mean, look, you're legit. So I oh, mean, that's thanks. good stuff. It, man. I just, I just was surprised that you, <laughs> I was chuckling because, because when you pulled out that accurate miniatures kit, I was like, right. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, good, good luck with that. that. I've got oh, a lot going on. on right now. They're like terrible. I've got, I'm working on, a couple of commissions right now, some clean builds for a friend that I met through the community contacted me um, and is having me do a couple of clean build Gundam stuff for him. So I'm working on like a high new or high, what was it? No, real grade, high new, the new one. But I, do, I polish everything to like 8,000 grit and give it a super duper satin finish, super clean. And then he wants me to do some panel lining and some scribing to it. So that's just going to be kind of fun. Plus he gave me a freaking PG Extreme Unleashed fucking Gramps, which is just gigantic and awesome. I don't, I want it, but I don't want to want it. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to build it but i don't want to own it do you guys have any idea what he just said i was gonna say (laughs) all right i'm kind of getting i kind of getting the hang of it a little bit from like where you go looking for stuff and you haven't got a fucking clue what you're looking at so you have to start like reading about it and shit right but should be more there's going to be a lot of people listening to this there's a lot of letters coming flying out all over the place um why don't you give us the fucking idiot's guide and no, i'm sorry yeah I to forget, uh to gundam <laughs> yeah sorry so gundam. there's a big problem gundam well, no gunpla right yeah, well yeah. gundam okay. is the is the ip you know that's the like the story yeah. mythos that everything goes around which is actually kind of rich and interesting if you get into it and can pay attention to it like the the animations can be a little hit or miss but whatever that's not what it's about um so the model kits themselves come in a range of different sizes and the sizes tend to lean so the let this there okay, how the fuck do i say this a bunch of different sizes and all the sizes are categorized by a letter combination so like there's a super deformed size which is like the small kind of cutesy chibi ones with mm. the big fucking eyes and all that shit that's called sds for super deformed right so moving up in size you have high hg or high grade uh, kits and those are one to one forty fourth scale. So the super deformed scale kind of goes all over the place because it's you know very very cartoony. It's non scale in a way, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, more it is kind of yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And this is I'm just talking about modern stuff because there's old stuff like old kits from like the 90s and the, the 80s and stuff where they're like 100 scale no grade. Like what the fuck does that mean to you guys? No, like it's just like yeah. just what it was for the time. So we're gonna come back to modern times now. So that's the high grades one to one forty four scale. You're familiar with that because they sell models and stuff. They're tiny as fuck, little planes and shit. But think about that. 18 meter tall robot is going to be a decent size in one to one forty fourth scale then what like, maybe 20 centimeters something like that eight inches yeah yeah like. they end up being like not even they're like more like six 
I would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. And then the master grade, which is one to 100 scale MG, that's more like the eight inch to nine inch to depending on the size of the model can be pretty big. Um, and then there is a perfect grade PG, which, and then as these things are going on, they're getting more and more complex. So high grade kits tend to go together very well. They don't have uh, an inner frame, so to speak. They have detail, but they aren't like overloaded. They're pretty simplistic. You could put one together in like an hour, probably if you really just like cranked it out. Um, and then the master grade kit is going to have a shitload more detail with a shitload more parts and inner frame working components and stuff. So in between high grade and master grade is a grade called the real grade RG. And that is the smaller size of the high grade kits, which conserves on shelf space, but the detail of the master grade kit. So like this is the leg, this is the leg frame for the real grade. Yeah. You've got the Zaku, Ooh, right? Yeah. So yeah. this thing is just full of, and like it, it like it, things interact, things slide in and out. Yeah, the there's so like, many yeah, so, points of articulation. It's, it's yeah. incredible. They're really interesting because it's kind of like a combination of a model kit and a toy because you have mm. the opportunity to just put it together and you can play with it or put it on your shelf and enjoy it as is because all the color separation and the detail that goes into it, that's just like hard lined into it. But you also have the opportunity to customize it and paint it and make it personal. So that's where the model part comes in. And the fact that they can go together and come apart so well, they're engineered so well, it makes it easier to do that kind of shit, which is pretty swanky. Uh, but getting back into the different ones. So real grade between high grade and master grade. Then there's perfect grade and perfect grade is a much bigger kit. That's one to 60. And it's going to have a ton of detail when you're in the modern kits. But as you get farther back in time, obviously the detail kind of goes down, but they tried to make those ones the most like professional, you know, perfect grade mm. models. So they're larger, they're way more expensive. Um, the one that I got is like new, new hotness. And it has like all these open hatch mechanics and all these metal parts and all this cool shit. Um, and then there's another size, which is called the mega size. And I happen to have a custom one right here that I've been working on. It is... This is a mega size Zaku, <laughs> right? It's like a it's like a child like a child's toy or something, right? But I'm obviously I've done some customization with the making the pauldrons, and then obviously I added extra sets of legs, and I've been working on uh, customizing the skirts. Um, but yeah, so this is from the random IP. I found a couple of pictures online. I read a comic book, and this thing was featured in it, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna build that thing" because it is crazy mm. and dumb. It's piloted by a psycho or a <laughs> like a psychotelekinetic monkey. Um, it's real crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. New, a new what type a band chimpanzee. name, Psychotelekinetic Monkey. Dude, yeah. And there's a bunch of them. So there's like a whole fleet of these monkeys piloting these monkey-shaped mechs, and they're crazy. Yeah, it's just fun, you know? Like crazy wild off the wall. And I don't have anybody being like, the rivet's in the wrong spot. Because uh, the drawing is like not exactly the best. So I'm able to take the artistic liberty. That's one thing that's really great about like building the Mecca is being able to take that artistic liberty and people will, off the bat will applaud you for doing something different where like my leopard uh, that I got from, from Border, um, I'm painting that in the uh, Athenian, like the Greek style in a parades. Mm. Uh, I have these great pictures that I found of it in like parade setup and the tracks look great. They're all like white and gray. It's all crazy cool shit. Anyway, so that has to look fucking dead to rights because it's a real thing. But like I can. You will get Greeks very upset if you don't do it <laughs> exactly. They're very, uh, you know, particular. 
I just I just like the pattern and the colors. You know, I think it looks cool, yeah. and you know, yeah. uh, it fits. <laughs> well, yeah, rule of cool is the number one rule, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know, right. And I love paint. I love finish. Like you know, you can see that by looking at my planes. Like I really love putting down paint, and that's what I started when I was a kid. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a painter. So I worked for a long time trying to study that, and my parents told me over and over again, "You're never gonna make any money as a painter. You can't." You know, unless you want to paint houses. And I was like, well, I don't want to paint houses. I want to like paint, you know, pictures and shit. So they were like, all right, well, good luck. <laughs> and I went to school for art <laughs> and art and design. And uh, like also, you know, picking up along the way, the fabrication. Uh, biological father was a, was a contractor building houses. I grew up in an addition that was constantly having houses built and being like a lonely little kid hanging around on the construction site with some dudes. You pick up a few things. So I started to learn how to put things together. Um, and taking things apart and being able to put them back together again, super valuable, um, broke a lot of things, <laughs> you know, um, uh, but like, yeah, being a little kid and hanging out and like picking up a few things. When I lived in New York, I, I worked in a, um, a single room occupancy hotel on 23rd street that was seized by the government. And I worked for the management company whose job was to bring this place back up to a condition where the government could sell it. Because it, it, the interior of this place was like the movie Seven, like it was, it was insane. I have so many insane stories about this, but the one thing that uh, and I learned so much from the guys who were working there. I ran the elevator for the workers, so if they needed something, they would call me on the walkie-talkie. I'd go to whatever floor they were there, bring them down to the to the basement where we kept all the supplies, load everything in, go up there, and then I would have nothing to do. So I remember standing around and like watching the plumber work and he was just replacing some of the copper piping under the, the sink mm-hmm. and i was like oh what are you doing and he kind of explains like, well you, you clean it off here and then you put some flux on and then do that mm-hmm. and i was like oh cool mm-hmm. i think i could probably do that and he goes well here look, can you cut a 12 inch piece of this copper i'm like yeah sure and i cut it and he's like all right now clean the ends i'm like okay and he's like put the and the next thing you know i'm working for him <laughs> he's like That's all right now thing. do that 10 more times i'm like fuck that <laughs> i would i'm i was the dumb the dumb kid the eager eager to please guy would i would have been like okay sure and like gone right to work like happy go lucky just making parts because that shit really like makes me happy i guess making the best part possible i, I mean i right? did but i also felt conned like immediately ah uh, yeah <laughs> no, it is a con. i mean yeah you know. i was like you're smart enough to know you had this whole setup you know and I, I think all of them did they were like oh, this is drywall. I'm like, huh, I could try that. And then I tried it and I was like, this is the worst shit I've ever done Oh, in dude, my life. it is, right? You, you, never, yeah. you, never read, you never read Tom Sawyer as a kid, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I just, and you still fell for it. I just did drugs <laughs> in between the time I read Tom Sawyer and then. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it has been known to happen. Well, um, you know what, you're Brian. You're totally selling me on on the idea of building one of these Gundam things just to oh, see yeah. how cool the engineering is. Because uh, people tell me that all the time. They're like, "Man, you just got to see this for yourself." Because we know you dig on the kit engineering stuff and Bandai, yes. and look at this movable hand. And you know, I, Dude, so I, I swear, just, just get a real grade Zaku and take the arm frame off. It's already articulated on the sprue. Oh, those you ones cut yeah, it and it moves yeah. in two different. And it's like, how the fuck do they do that? I just want to be able to paint something any color I want. Yeah. See, this is what I wanted to ask you about, Brian. I think my first exposure to to, uh, Gunpla was uh, when we lived in Singapore, all the toy shops had it. All the shops had it everywhere. And you never really saw it in the UK. Um, 
and I had a young son, so I'd be going in. He was like three. I'd be going in like a toy shop now and then with him and see them and be like, what, what's that about? And I thought it's just pushed together, basically toys you build kind of thing. Yeah. And it wasn't until the local Gumpler shop had a competition and all these guys turned up with their stuff that I realized that there's this whole world inside Gumpler of customization and, mm -hmm. you know, detailing and the painting and everything else. And it's kind of a world which over here, I don't know, in America it might be different, but in the UK, it's so separate from the rest of modeling that the rest of modeling has no idea that it exists or what goes on. They're like secret club somewhere doing weird right. shit. So can you tell us you know, a bit more about uh, about the customization and about sort of the culture? And... Yeah, the culture is weird. Like all model making culture is weird, pretty much. It has its own like nuances. But for the most part, the, the, the Gunpla model making community is pretty accepting. There's a bunch of clicks. We've talked about it a bunch on the podcast, on Built Sideways podcast, which I have yet to mention yet. You guys can check it out on all your major podcasting networks. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and and yeah, so there's like all these different clicks and sub sub clicks and and different people doing different things. So like you were mentioning, Chris, there's a whole different world from just the snap builders, but there's a whole world of just snap builders that get along and have great. And there's competitions specifically for just snap building a kit and like doing a really good job, which is kind of crazy a little bit. It'd be like just building a model straight out of the box without painting it or anything, you know, just like weird a little bit. But at the same time, as good like, as the it. Bandai kits are, though. Mm -hmm. There is still cleanup, and there is still work to make them oh, yeah. absolutely perfect. There is some stuff you can do, isn't there, right out of the box? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. These the leg, a little tiny leg that I showed you guys, right? I got two of those. I probably have like maybe eight hours in those two legs total from just cleanup, and that's sanding, making sure everything's perfect, making sure all of the surface conditions are of the quality that they need to be at the end. Because I'm not going to go back and do anything to this. So as I'm building along, I'm just basically going through the finish the process because it doesn't get painted because I'm not going to probably have to clear coat it or do anything funky. Maybe add a little bit of panel wash. I'll probably just do that with acrylics, though, so that I don't fuck with the plastic. It's really easy to work with. Yeah, you know? the, the, um, like... the uh, thinners in like oils and enamels can really fuck with the plastic, can't they? On Big time. I don't know what it is. Yeah, prime your I've kits, seen guys. stuff crack and yeah. <laughs> Especially Gunpla kits. Prime your Gundams. If you're going to paint them, prime those shits. I just sing a Will song. I don't prime. It's the it's the mineral <laughs> spirits, though, right? Isn't that the deal? Is that mineral spirits does something to their uh, to the softer material it, I, that they use in the in the joints? Maybe. Well, yeah, definitely. Like ABS, all the ABS that they use in it, because a lot of the the joints are are made with um, soft rubber. Uh, movable parts it makes it easier to use on some of the older kits now they're getting away from that the new stuff a lot of it doesn't have any abs in it at all it's all polystyrene so you can use more of the straight up tamiya washes enamel washes and stuff without having to worry about it settling in the joint causing that abs to harden and crack and then your joint falls apart you know or like shrinks a little bit you know because it dries out um so yeah um, that will definitely fuck with things. But yeah, you know, that's another reason I think why I use a lot more of the acrylic too, because it's just more user-friendly for, for me and my, you know, working with robots specifically. Now I see the lacquer side too. Do you think that's what it is? Is it's just, it's just, uh, a, like a, uh, a, a degradation effect of the mineral spirits on the, I assume so. Just like ultraviolet, man. Like it'll wear. Yeah. That's, 
that's what I've always that's what I've always thought. You know, guys get you know how it is. You know, bro science takes over, and dudes are like, <laughs> what, dude, dudes are like, yeah, well, it starts off gassing, starts off gassing, and it pressurizes the joint and blows it out from the inside. And I'm like, you, no. you, you don't really understand physics, do you? It's no. just yeah, that's so, fun. Yeah, I just always, yeah, <laughs> I just always thought that it that's what it was. It just makes the material brittle for whatever reason. And, uh, I'm really worried now about dirty off-gassing bombs and all kinds of bombs <laughs> that you could do. <laughs> all that that's Korean kind of barbecue you eat, it could happen. Oh, that's, that's what I was oh man, that's good shit. Don't don't mess with Korean barbecue. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then uh, aside from like this, yes, regular snap builder guys in the con- there's the custom end and there's then the resin. You know, obviously resin is this whole world. We are very familiar because it crosses the the genres between. Uh, you know, standard uh, military armor kits and, and then, you know, the mecha upgrades and stuff like that. Um, I have a history in resin There's as well, some pretty but... hardcore, like, opposition to resin, though, isn't there, in the um, eh, in yes some areas no. of the hobby? Because, yeah, I mean, they're... in armor, <laughs> yeah. resin, like, upgrades or whatever, not yeah. a thing, not a problem. Yeah, you know, yeah your Verlindens, your... Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I know, and it's fucking kick-ass, and they fucking applaud people that 3D print stuff for you know and and recast and things like that you know that's well in a way maybe not recasting because recasting is kind of shitty you know yeah, um very shitty yeah, yeah as, a, a, as subject, a practice also dude right itself, right? <laughs> yeah. right i mean i feel like if i cast my own shit then i it, i can recast it because it's not i made it you know like and i and that's just part <laughs> of the you know part of the deal which is the great thing about knowing how to make molds um and uh but yeah like um the resin thing though a lot of people get all up uppity about is that it's like um ip and bandai is really really strict with their uh in, like their intellectual property rights so mm-hmm. if you were going to try to make your own you know zaku kit you're going to get burned hard they have great lawyers and there has been stuff where like companies like daban which is kind of like bandai's main third party they kind of get away with some stuff i don't know if they pay them off or what the deal is but they make like third party gunpla kits or gundam kits um there's this company that's called um the fuck they're called model heart now they used to be called supernova and they made some really really fucking kick-ass wing gundam kits which is this whole ip they're like very famous it's the first one that came to the states in like the mid 90s uh the first anime series so there's like a big fan base for it anyway they made these amazing kits of representations from that they aren't made using the bandai stuff at all they aren't copies at all they're original creations but because of those kids they got shut down by bandai like hard shut down they had to like restart up all over again burn all their molds and and or you know whatever melt them because they're aluminum or steel um and then uh yeah and then start over again with a new company name and start building like designing new models it's just really crazy how much um sway bandai has over it so that's where the problem comes with these people that build resin like i build resin pabs builds resin julio builds resin we all build this resin kits right kyle um and the people will harp on chris specifically pabs because he builds so fucking well and his finish is so clean that people get pissed off because they're like oh you're no this is like bandai stuff you're like ripping them off but a lot of these resin kits that we that we build or that we create require bandai parts that's like kind of the given yeah. so it's like get away with it it's like a dress-up kit new set of armor for, that goes around the outer frame or the inner frame right that's there's no problems with that right some people get pissed so you're off not, about it though 
taking money out of Bandai's pocket. Exactly. They still you know? need to sell the kit for you to build it. So. Yeah, so I, that's like me. Like when I made my resin kit for the 100 scale uh, full city. Um, so it was, they had the rebake and they had just the, the big like 100 scale rebake and the 140 scale, 144 scale. So you guys don't know what this is. So it's a model design, which is an evolution of another model in one of their IPs. They don't have this other cool kick-ass one that has these, like, great verniers on its shoulder and, like, this whole different design aesthetic to it. Um, It looks really kick-ass, and I was like, I want that. And if they don't make it, I am going to make it. People are like, oh, you're not going to make that. And I was like, bet. So I started out with a regular rebake. First thing I did was I stripped it down to the bottom parts, and I took the the core parts, and I started stretching things out and adding styrene, stacking things up, making so that it all goes back together, casting all of those parts. So cast, recast all of the entirety of the core almost completely, except for a few parts that you need the Bandai kit for. And then, like, do, like, the armor on the outside, resculpt all the armor, redesign, re-engineer everything so that it fits around the other parts that I already modified to work and fit together like a regular snap kit or, like, mostly snap kit because it's fucking resin. It's, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. And then, yeah, and then, you know, do all that cast work, but then still need polycap, a joint part, um, you know, an inner, uh, like, skeletal component or something like that from the Bandai kit. So the person that wants to build the full city and have that full city experience, Bandai still gets their 10 pennies, you know? Like, it's kind of like a weird thing to have to dance around, but like, yeah. And then they stop producing the kit that you need to make the model that I made. <laughs> So, so I had to get another kit. I had to get another kit that they make like an ad nauseum. I took another kit that they made ad nauseum, and then I figured out and engineered how to turn parts from that kit into the parts that I need to make mine, and then cast a bunch of other parts. So my original eighty-five part kit went up to being a hundred and fifty-five part kit, and then you know you still need seven parts from a Bandai kit. They get their twenty bucks. (laughs) You know, wow. It's nice. I've heard people say that Bandai is, in terms of revenue, the biggest model kit company in the world. Do you think that's true? They got the bills, man. I don't know what I don't know like marketing. Like some of my friends would. Like I'm friends with some stores and sponsored by some stores. Um, so they would know more than I would. But I would say that they, uh, if they aren't the biggest, they they fucking better be. They're huge, bro. They're you know, billions of dollars, and that's insane yeah. for plastic robots and <laughs> Star Wars. When, when you look at the level of their engineering, and like for me, I can look at that and, and kind of extrapolate out to what their tooling budgets must look like. And, you know, if they're, if they're vertically integrated doing all that stuff themselves, I mean, that takes a lot of capital. So, you know, mm-hmm. they have to be, they, ha- they have to be pulling some pretty major bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, there, it helps uh, that they created and fully own the IP as well. Absolutely, or they've like you know purchased it for, through Sunrise, you know, or oh, bought mm. Sunrise. So like, that's yeah, yeah that's how that works pretty well. You can't buy the house of the mouse though, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting stuff. I may, I may have to get, I may have to get one. I'm gonna talk to you later about which one I should get if I decide oh, sure. to do it. Fucking mm-hmm. hell, there's a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah the, the key is basically finding uh, a design that you really like. That is one of the most important yeah. parts for selecting one kit. And then the rest of it is like some minutia. So it does help to know somebody that has a better idea of things. So like you could be like, oh, this kit looks really cool. I'm like, yeah, it looks really cool, but it's trash. You don't want to buy it. You know, there's like, yeah, it's like your uh, 
And you guys kinda would have that for me if I was going to throw. Like if I was like, oh, I'm going to build this, uh, this, uh, yeah. uh, this, this revel. The no, 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 no. Not the R word. Sure? <laughs> like, well, I mean, we, we saw a little bit of that whenever you flashed up that accurate armor. Will was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Are yeah. you yeah. sure you want to yeah. do that? Yeah. yeah. I got four accurate kits. <laughs> I have four Which ones I like them. Yeah. Which ones yeah. do you have? I got two Dauntlesses, an Avenger, and a Vindicator. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the, right. The, you haven't got a Mitchell. They're awful, apparently. They are. They're they're terrible for sure. And allegedly, the Dauntless is their is their is their best one. So. Oh, that's the, the uh, Battleship yeah. Island or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one to three thousand scale. I was gonna do like, uh, you know, three of them flying over this, like kind of as a perspective <laughs> thing for, uh, because they're small. I mean, those those forty eight scale World War Two planes are pretty fucking small. Well, depends on your ter- your frame of reference, doesn't it? So. Yeah, for me, they are like my competition builds, yeah. my custom big mechs, like scratch built stuff, and my original like resin creations. They're like, they don't fit in a detolf. They're you know like one. It's like you know fourteen by fifteen by sixteen. You know, but that's, that's you know, and that's yeah, that's the size I like to work in. The same deal when I painted when I was painting. I talked about that earlier in one of my rambles. Yeah. I like to work big. So like I, I love the four foot by six foot canvas. That's my jam. Cause then I can really get in there and noodle details and work a lot. Like I'm a very animated and active person. So like, I like to be able to, you know, get that. But I also work little too. I got this. Little... <laughs> well, I want to, I want to ask you about something that I, uh, yeah. I want to ask you about something that I saw just perusing your Instagram that yes. instantly caught my attention, and that's this. Uh, how do you say, Briegel or Briegel from? Oh, Cal- uh, yeah, Lucas kid, Briegel. Calamity from Calamity. Yeah, have you Lucas, got, my buddy. Yeah, have you, uh, <laughs> dude? That guy is a madman. Awesome, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, he's yeah, pretty yeah. awesome. The, oh, it's the, incredible. Yeah, the level of talent is just. Uh, yeah, he's an alien, clearly. Mm-hmm. But have you have you gotten into building that thing, or have you built any of his other stuff? Oh yeah, what's yeah. It, so no, I built like? one. Yeah, no, I built one, and see, that's the thing. I met Luca in 2015. No, it wasn't 2015. That's 2018. I met Luca, and uh, he came to Five Points Festival in Brooklyn. My buddy was like, was rolling through because he's a toy collector, and was like, "Yo, I think that guy that makes robots that you like is here." And he took like a photo, like a glary photo through the display case, and I was like, "Um." Dear, I'm going to go to the thing. And I ran over <laughs> and, uh, yeah, ran in and, and uh, started talking to him because we had talked online prior um, because I was interested in his work. So I'm hit, seeing his, like, so before I got into building the mecha models and stuff like that, I was doing, like, prop scrap, scratch built prop manufacturing and then casting, like, roto casting and, and replication. I had an Etsy store. I was selling stuff and uh, for, like, Borderlands IP, you know, like, take a video game thing and then make it one-to-one scale and then make it into molds and then cast it and, you know, sell it off to some cosplayer to paint up so that they could look all cool at the con. Um, and then getting from that, like kind of going down in, in scale, I lost my studio space. I had a 25 by 25 foot by 15 foot tall studio space that it was free. That it was just like rotocaster. No problem. 30 molds. Who cares? All fiberglass, everything. Fuck yes. Let's rock and fucking roll. Let's do this. And, uh, and then it was like, poof, gone. And now it's like, oh, it's all in a storage space. And, uh, I need to get smaller to have fun. And Lucas stuff was some of the first shit that I found. Like I didn't get back into like doing regular scale models right away. Uh, I didn't even get into Gundam. I'd never watched 
any of this Gundam shit until like 2017 or 2018, to be honest with you, because like, I just like, I make shit, right. And bro builder, like that's, mm. it used to be called Brian Dunkel creations, but I felt like that was horrifically uh, like arrogant, you know? Uh, so I thought I'd change it a little I, bit. I'm just going to put this yeah. out there. Yeah. The worst thing you can do when you have a, a name, a company is to call it Fred blogs company. It's just, yeah. It's the That's... least imagination, and also it looks really like I'm a big Dude. guy. Yeah, it looks so bad. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, exactly. The optics, they're just ass. So unless it, unless um, your name is good. unless your name is Aaron Adams, because then you also get to be at the front of every alphabetic right, search. Line. So nice, you know, Aaron A. Aaron. Just say it. Uh, yeah. yeah, but then like so yeah, needing to shrink down, I got like went to the Google machine and started looking up like cool things and like came across some of Luca's work and I'd seen it when I was doing research for making the props and stuff and was like, you know what, this guy makes these models, let's fucking do one, let's do it. Like I've already been making my own resin models, why don't I buy someone else's little resin model, let someone else do the legwork for me, and I can just put the thing together. Right. These things are crazy. <laughs> so, but I, I contacted him. I started talking to him and I built a friendship with him online. It's very, you know, it's easy to do when you're like-minded people, you have commonalities, right? You guys are all fucking kick-ass. I'm sure I could sit down and rap with you anytime, any day. It doesn't fucking matter. Talk, whatever. So, um, yeah, then meeting him in person and getting into that, like buying kits from him, stacking them up. Like he, you can't just walk in and start building the one to 24 scale Regal because it is a lot of monster it's a lot of mecha and the instructions aren't exactly descript and like when the kit the first kit that i got right yeah you guys are familiar right um but like yeah the first kit that i got he luca was having issues with the casting house in germany and they were giving him kind of bunk casts so like the part the cat uh, the box that i got had like two different shades of plastic you could tell that they were having issues and that they were from different batches some of the parts that i got were like skewed like crazy like all sorts of shit but because i know what i'm doing that doesn't deter me and i was easily able to re-engineer and work it and and crank things around manipulating the plastics and manipulating the resins to get them to do what i needed them to do to make it like you know it's thing so beyond that i added a bunch of those that mega size zaku thing that i showed you guys they come with these huge polycap parts and joints well i had two of those kits and i had a bunch of these leftover parts so i took luca's model and i i made it bigger by enhancing the point the points of articulation and re-engineering some things i built a bunch of new pistons for it and like redid all of that stuff and he's telling me he's like no you're crazy why are you doing this is not going to work and i'm like hey just you wait <laughs> and you're ruining um, my kit <laughs> no he didn't say it was ruin it he's just like he's laughing at me he's like no but i mean crazy. he thinks you're <laughs> making it unbuildable that you're you're like yeah, that it's not going to work. He's like, don't do it. You're not going to, you're not going to do it. Or like, not like you're not going to do it, but he's like, it's not going to work, man. I've tried it. It's not going to work. Well, it worked. So, um, <laughs> yeah, in the end, and it's beautiful. I love the kit. And he, I bought another one from him. That was the one probably that you saw, Will, was the one recently. And I haven't gotten into that yet, but it's got all these new weaponry and armaments. And I'm working on a new plan for that, where I'm going to totally fuck that thing up and make it totally different. Like you, you, people are going to see that and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's it's what cool. i want i it, want people to look at my work and say what the it's fuck? cool shit man I, I i think i accidentally discovered him on youtube maybe but uh -huh. i just like i immediately really like his aesthetic and that's part of what's so impressive about his stuff is that he's you know like he he's kind of like koyokoyama he he developed yeah. the whole look of of that entire you know product mm -hmm. line and to then have the talent on top of that to engineer it and and be able to produce it as kits 
And, you know, I, it's one of those things that I look at from afar and I think, man, man, maybe I should try to, you know, maybe I should try one of those. And I don't know that I ever will, but it is, it's amazing stuff. It's just got that, it's just got that gnarly military mecha look. Mm -hmm. And I can just imagine building one and weathering the fuck out of it. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, good shit. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, we should put a link in the show notes for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with it to go check it out because it's pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Something yeah. Uh, uh, that immediately clicked for me when I heard you talking on um, Build Sideways is that you don't you don't want to build what everyone else builds. You know, I think we're all mm-hmm. the same, that it's mm-hmm. really hard to just take a kit and build it. You have to do something to it yeah. to make it yours. Yeah, when I well, when I first yeah, got into the, the no, no, you're good. I, I do was um, when uh, when I first got into doing like the Gundam stuff because they're so accessible and they're so easy to build. I think the first year I built forty, I snapped up forty models, hmm. and uh, of those forty, I customized twelve of those, and then of those twelve customizations, nine of them were like full blown, like full paint and like resin, custom resin work and hard modifications uh and that like was it was almost like i had like all this bent up energy i was like a teenager and uh you know and uh and and it like ran into it really really hard but then as my year progressed and i got into doing more of the like the custom things where i was like okay so i build a bunch of this shit that i all right we i know what that is like we all know we all know what that is but there's there's joy in that but then like taking that and then making it something totally completely different and now i mean that's even folded into, into my on my, my armor kits and my air kits um just like yeah i can't just build like the thing you know even if it's a, a zukimura of zolvolk's uh, five star stories kit like I, mean, I can't just leave that alone like come on there's so many things i see that are wrong with it <laughs> like i have to make it better i have to make it you know bigger i have to you know that's kind of yeah um yeah, I wish like I wish I had some more uh, better opportunity to show you guys some more of my stuff, but it's all like in cases and out of the way. Uh, we'll put a load up. I'll get some high def pictures off you after, and we'll put it up cool. in the show notes so people can see your stuff, and oh, also shit. on the the Facebook album for the episode. <laughs> this one I can show you guys real quick. This is a fun one that I did for uh, you guys. Know um, full if you're familiar with Mike Wolf, model making guru. Um, no. I did this for a egg build off. If you're familiar with that, it's an old school like rat rods, but like yeah. I uh, I turned a coop into a pickup and like built the whole tailgate out. And then it's like he's stealing a giant, obviously stealing the golden egg. And then I uh, totally like pimped out the engine, put a whole grill on the front, custom lights, um, like filled in the, all the bottom was all hollow and garbage. So I filled all that stuff back yeah. in with styrene plate and did a bunch of detailing and like a bunch of metal parts, like that whole blower wasn't there. Like, so I put the whole blower on top shit. So much fun. Like model that's, making is so much fucking fun. And then, well, and that right there, that's, that's, that's a legit next level of creativity. I, I hope, I hope you've got some pictures of that, that we can put on the gallery. Yeah. Cause because yeah. that you know everything that you did with that is just way outside the normal scale modeling box, oh. and I'm you know I've I've said it before I know it piss some people off but we need more creativity in scale modeling so <laughs> it's good for people to yeah. see yeah that. I kind of feel like the the picture on the box should be a serving suggestion not the uh, you know mm-hmm. not the uh, goal if you see yeah. what I mean yeah do you have photos showing like what one of these builds would normally be like and then what you've done to it. Like your modifications. Oh, I don't. 
I've thought about doing presentations like that. Like I have some stuff mm. for like, say for my goosey and model kit that I built, like I have the, what Bandai makes and then what mine turns into like kind of, uh, representational, but I don't for like kits like that. And I, I've, I don't, I should do that. <laughs> or like, a, I don't know, like when you do a lot of scratch building, you, you make a photo before you paint it. Like I just, of course. Uh, um, would love yeah. to and not as to much, show people. No, not like, as much anymore. Yeah, but <laughs> it's it'd be weird. fun to I show used to people do a lot. Like what you're doing to these kits, especially people oh, yeah. who are not familiar with them, who are just going to look at it and be like, "Wasn't well, that the way it comes?" No, yeah, I have like I have 1,400 pictures of the Briegel build, or not the Briegel build of the uh, of the flea, like one of my custom builds, the flea. I have like uh, like probably 300 or 400 photos of this model, the car, like being built and stuff like that. I have, I am like. You know, like Will, I have a shitload of photos. I have backed ups on on like remote like hard drives and shit. I actually have to go back and reboot my old computer, to make sure that it's all up to date because it's the only one that has an MCD drive on it. Pull some pictures that I found on disk. <laughs> I was like, great. How am I gonna get this? Others. Like, oh fuck. Um, do you do you have a do you have a YouTube channel? I mean, because you'd be great yeah, at that. You'd be great on YouTube. I do show, have a YouTube just... channel. Uh, my YouTube channel is called Koto Kai. I have uh, my workbench live stream just crossed. And we're just getting close to 150 episodes on my workbench live stream. Uh, I stream Thursday nights for that, and then uh, there's another live stream that I do uh, irregularly on Tuesdays, which is called the Robo Dojo, and that's uh, Koto Kai Robo Dojo, and we're into the 50s or 60s, I think, on that one too for episodes. Cool. It's a couple of different. It's more like group stuff. Like I'll have the guys from the podcast will be on, plus some other scale modelers that we know here and there will come on. It's less about hardline about like model making and more just like us talking about movies and like topics of the day and interacting with chat. There is like some model work, but a lot of times it's like it's just like just conversational, a just a hangout. Yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. But it, we when always get asked questions, so. When do I sleep? I sleep like around four hours. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're making shit all the time. You're doing yeah. live streams, a podcast, you know. Yeah. Uh, I no, don't man, know how you fit it all in. It's a, it's a passion, right? And you, when you get excited yeah. about stuff, it makes it easy to uh, devote a lot of time and energy to it. And it, it's almost energizing to do things that you're like really, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's energizing because it energizes you. It's like very fulfilling. Yeah. So like that helps in a way. Plus, I'm a little bit crazy. So like, just tend to stay up. That helps. And, that helps uh, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the, yeah, and it's it's good to also like have like good friends and like you know, be able to know people all over the world. So like, I can talk to you if I wanted to, Chris, early in the morning because you're in the UK yeah. or like my buddy uh, John uh, Jonathan that I'm uh, hosting the original Mecha contest with. Uh, that's another thing that's out there. Uh, that I'm doing. Um, that's pretty cool. You guys can find that on Facebook, the original Mecha Contest, if you want to check that out. That's a cool, great, yeah, what's uh, up, original competition. So it started in 2019. Well. Yeah, there's a website. Yeah, John put up, we've got a website now. Uh, we've got an Instagram group as well. I just started uh, hosting this year with him um, to help take the load off, a little bit of the burden off, and then help him source, because like I know, I know a lot of people, so it's easy to source sponsors and stuff. Um <clears throat> But that, uh, that is, uh, the idea around it was Jonathan was like, look, I, we see all these competitions that are like, I was talking about, just build the same thing. Everybody's building a Jesta. Everybody's building a Zaku. Everybody's building a whatever. He's like, I want people to build whatever they fucking want to build. 
out of whatever they want to build it out of. So he's like, let's make an original mecha contest where it's like all original. It can't look like a thing. You can enter a thing that looks like a Zaku, but it's probably not going to score very well because it's not very original. You know, that's it's the first thing, original, right? But it's all mechanical. Um, the idea behind it was like building something along the lines of like a chappy back mech or like uh, one of those things or like Ed 209 or any of those sorts of deals. And just like, having fun creativity uh and had a good uh host of judges lucas ampriello uh calamity has been a judge every year bless that guy so um, so wait a minute is this thing is, cast, is, so. is this thing a is this thing a an irl competition or is it online no it is an internet contest it's an online okay. competition so it does okay. require you that you Very take cool. good photographs it All runs right. from february 1st to october 31st wow that yeah, no scale requirements. You can make it as small or as big as you want to. And that's in it. There's no saying that someone doesn't make a tiny little mech that's like the size of a, you know, a little miniature bust or something like that. And it's just so well done and so well photographed that it wins. Like I, my first year I won with the fleet, which is this huge monstrosity, amazing thing. I also won GBWC's uh, Manhattan leg with that one too, which is pretty fucking dope. Because uh, Bandai, no, they shit. Um, so... Yeah, but the next year I went in with an entirely different, like more original scheme where I made this big demon mecha and I did like this, all this rock carving and made these like trees that were like Japanese elms and uh, and, like did this whole thing. And I got second place. The guy that fucking beat me had a little mech that was like a big, (laughs) tiny little thing. And like like, (laughs) like, with a little quarter, like a Canadian quarter next to it, you know, so we could have his fucking scale. And uh, and then like had like a little bit of a dio for the background. Um, But yeah, and he he won and it was great. And the guy's cool. His name is uh, his name is Adam. He's a great guy. Um, And uh, he's uh, he won or Andrew, Andrew Hilton. And uh, he won that year, but it's just to go to show like my awesome gigantic samurai demon mech with all the scratch built armor and all the like detail and the cabling and the, all the cool shit came in second because this other one was just, it was just better. And that's, that's fucking, that's one thing that I loved about that too. Is like, I, just because I built a giant fucking thing doesn't mean I'm automatically going to win, you know? So you like, can so, build, you can build it at any way you want to. You could build it out of macaroni yes. or you can 3D design yes. and 3D print or whatever. Yeah, we got a guy this year. You that's, better be good with macaroni. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but you could though. Last year we had a guy make one out of like, had like, um. A, like a skeleton like animal bones and a skull and shit in it and like i was like all right man this is a little bit borderline but we'll let it go and like it he, opened a portal to another <laughs> yeah i know it's okay. thank god it, was, it wasn't in person it's just photographs right yeah. um but like this year we've got a guy that was building one completely out of like epoxy sculpt or um like like or like yeah basically that or like air dry clay and carving back and sculpting on and making this like original like basically just a sculpture with like but all this rich detail luca does some things very similar to that where he'll make things out of epoxy putty and plastic and all this shit and then he you know he turns into a more articulated mecca but this guy is doing a great job and the turnout this year is out of control like the creativity seeing so many people being it's just one of the most positive like just general based positive groups on um the mecca modeling uh facebook world like nobody talks shit nobody does anything dumb everybody's really just like supportive and trying to make cool <laughs> stuff and like yeah and it's like it's okay and that's why i join <laughs> um scgmc or not scgmc that's a that's a competition i'm thinking of uh smcg smcg, SMCG. yeah smcg that's why i joined smcg because 
I appreciate honesty. That's one of my fucking benchmarks. If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me say countless time and time and time and time again. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with each other. And you got to be honest about your work. If you're not honest about all those fucking things, piss off because you're just like you're fake. Like, you know, you're, so. sing, you're singing the song of my people right now. For sure. <laughs> yeah, man, right. You, yeah, but <laughs> but I'm going to call you out because I know you're a member, but you, I don't see much of your stuff. And, you know, we need you more see of my shed. Kind of, you yeah. see my one-to-one shed. I know, build. I know, I know, and that was cool. I, but, but, but still, <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's, it's the scale modelers critique group, not the shed modelers. Yeah, critique. no, no, it's and, one-to-one. And, but I, pre- <laughs> I appreciated that you posted that so that these two idiots can see what a shed is, as opposed to a yeah, we'll build a shed as a bar. Yeah, he's got a shed. Let's do a bar. Notice that he's got he, a shed. Yeah, notice that his did not have a, a garage door on it. So I'm just saying, it's a shed. Yeah, you got a shed with a garage door on it. <laughs> Some people have shit. See what I deal with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I hear it on a bi weekly basis. Uh, (laughs) But no, you're right. It's been a while since we've done shed shed gate. Shed shed humor. Um, I have you're right, I haven't been posting a lot of uh, of the model making stuff because I'm uh, kinda like Tracy says, like I'm not just gonna post for the sake of posting, I'll post when I got something that's worthwhile posting about. Like I only know only on... when, when it's ninety five. When you're going to post the shed again when it's ninety five percent done, right? Uh, no, I think that I'll wait until it's completely done. Like I still have a lot of work to do on it. I'm putting a skylight yeah. in, and I haven't done any roofing. I was I waiting for Tracy to go. I haven't done. So. No, nobody cares when it's ninety five percent done. It's a hundred percent or yeah. nothing. Like eighty yeah, percent, ninety five percent is finished, but not quite. It's finished, yeah, but finished. I'm. That's all it is. It's finished, but I'm going to make different photos later and expect everybody to react yeah, right. to those too. Just, just fucking save it till the end, buddy. I hear you. You know, amen. And I fucking used to. T- that's why I used to take so many photos. I'm like, oh, I got 1,400 photos of the fleet. I got uh, photos of this. Right? Yeah. Well, now I take less photos, honestly, because I'm realizing that like. If I take more photos, I'm more apt to share that stuff out there. And it's almost like I'm trying to build for other people's like appreciation, right? I'm yeah, trying to yeah. get that fucking juicy feedback, that depot drip or that, uh, you know, in your brain. And, dopamine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dopamine drip in your fucking brain. And I'm like, I'm not, that's not why I build it, man. I'm building for me. And that's where it's always been. So like now I do less, I do post less photos. I do take less photos because it's like, I'm not just going to take, uh, you know, a photo for the take of like, Oh, like, Oh, I cut, I, here's the part. Oh, and I cut the part in half. Oh, now I did this. I glued the two parts that I cut in half together a different way. And like, yeah, I used to do that all the time, but now it's going to be like, all right, when I have the cool little like custom hover and engine power converter that I'm building in the back of this VW, cause I'm turning the VW into a hover VW. Um, like when all of that shit is juicy and complete to the point where it's all an assemblage and before i paint it okay i'll take a photo of that you know and i'll share that and be like this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it and like you know this is like you know it's a it's a little bit more fulfilling for everyone i feel if i wait to do that kind of uh progression you know yeah how many how many projects do you figure you have going right now right now um (laughs) what would would you say if he turned around and was like uh just one he'd be like oh I got well. It depends on what you mean by I'm a going. fucking liar. Yeah, I, see, like, I, I knew this. I knew that's how this was gonna go. Because it's like I've got. I mean, there's the I've got a Zaku Warrior that I've been working on since the beginning of the pandemic, which is I'm turning that. I turned that into um, a Four Horsemen death, and I made this whole huge pauldron and changed the whole the dimensions on it and everything. And that's almost to the prime stage of painting, right? But then I had to put that away because I kind of like got bored of it. 
then I have this resin, <laughs> this resin domtropin conversion that I'm doing. Um, that I did a live stream series of with my buddy Paul on the workbench. It's like workbench uh, sixty through like seventy or seventy three or something like that. Like thirteen episodes of us working on a mecha kit to resin assembly and like the ins and outs and the things that were going on with the kit to kind of like help people that weren't very familiar with uh, mecha resin stuff. And I mean, I don't have a shitload of traction. I got like 588 followers or something on, on, uh, on uh, YouTube. But then once again, it's like, it's okay. Cause if two people or five people get something beneficial out of that, then I am was wildly successful with what if one person does. I mean, I got something out of it. So already it's success to me because I put together a cool model uh, and I got a record of it in a way. And now that, but that thing, like I got into the point where I started to make custom metal details for it and uh, doing like uh, modifications to the geometry to make sure that it, it fits a little bit better and it looks a little bit better. Um, and then I got to that stage and then I kind of shelved it, but that one's coming back um, because it's going to get a gigantic 3d printed Ninja turtle shell on the back. And it's going to be the Don, Donatello <laughs> tropin. It's going to be that particular <laughs> That particular mecha is like real chunky and purple anyways. So I'm like, oh, I got it now. So and there's, I think there's a picture of that on my uh, my Instagram too, a bit like taped to the back of the of the mecha. Um, but then, there, yeah, there's that. There's the Sentinel. I have this gigantic thing, which is my GBWC build, which is like a, a kit bash of a, of a gigantic kit and then a, another giganticer kit. So they're <laughs> kit bashing together, add a bunch of articulation, did all this crazy stuff. That's in the Instagram too. That's called the Sentinel. Uh, the Hoverbug, that's for the Cerulean project. I got this GBR2 over here that I'm about to start doing for Dora Wings, just for fun. A friend of mine is working on a book. Um, I'm going to try and put this thing together. I don't know if I'm in time or not, but um, <laughs> I got this. Uh, <laughs> Who I got might this, that be? I got this real grade high new right here. I don't know. And I got this, yeah, I got this real grade high new right here. I got this Aoshima um, like race car. It's got like six, six wheels uh, F1 race car from Aoshima. Oh, the elf. Um, oh, is that a Tyrrell? Yeah, it's it's the the one I'm running. Um, running is it's called the ogre. It's from a fan, it's a fantasy. So it's um, oh okay yeah yeah. So I picked up a couple Six of those race there. cars are fucking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty and it's a cool little kit. It's not big at all. It's it's only like about this big. So it's going to be really easy yeah. to like make it look just amazing. Um, I'm really want to do like a nice glassy. So I'll probably go ahead and pull out the enamels and do the nice glassy finish on it. Maybe polish or whatever too. You know. Like acrylics can't do that. Um, what else do I have on the deck? Uh, uh, oh yeah, um, the 100 scale Kshatriya resin. That one's still out. Um, I'm also working on a 100 high new from um, shit. Who did that one? It's so complicated. I may not even pull that one back out. That might be Perma Doom. Um, it's Perma-doom. so that's a, it's so insane. That's a great yeah. We've all got well, a thirty few, second got... Lancasters on my shelf. Of, <laughs> right, uh, shame at the we've all it's got like... a few of those. But yeah, so it's a lot. It's easy to have a lot of projects you're working on. You know. Yeah. Well, I knew I knew that's how the answer was going to go because you've just clearly got an enviable volume of creative energy. And, but oh. the thing that the thing, of course, that I picked up on most out of all that was the was you were talking about some 3d printing stuff. So with all mm-hmm. these things you're doing, you know, are you into 3d printing? Are you doing yeah. any CAD, doing any blender? So, doing any that kind of I, stuff? I hoping you'd say no. To <laughs> Hear me out, Chris, before you go ahead and pass the judgment. It, and it's okay. It's okay. Piece. If he said, it's okay. If he says no, I'm just curious because, you know, I can tell that Brian and I like a lot of, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's all about learning new stuff and, and defining new tools Absolutely. and new ways to build cool shit. So 
Yeah, it has. It definitely has a value. When it first came onto the scene, I'm a scratch builder by nature. That's the way I was. I came out of the womb scratch building. It's just the way that it was. And that's the way it will probably always be. I'll never stop doing that. It's impossible to not do that. It's like not drawing. Like, how can you not draw? Like, I don't even know. That isn't to me anyways. That doesn't even make sense. Like, I just like, how do you not do that? Like, it's just part of my creative, like, jammer. And, uh, and then, so the design aspects, I got into doing SolidWorks as opposed to CAD. So I have some 3D, um, background, um, but not, not a lot in CAD. I have some literature on CAD, um, but I have like actual, like on time experience doing SolidWorks design. So well, when I, I say, when I say CAD, I'm just, yeah, when I say CAD, I'm just using that very generically, you know, oh, for just computer aided drawing. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's SolidWorks or, or Fusion 360 or yeah any you know what yeah whatever i mean blender's a little different because that's you know blender and zbrush are kind of over there in that i I just kind of split it between like soft surface mesh modeling and and, yeah and parametric cad being being sort of yeah you know but yeah i see that 100 percent but yeah, I totally know exactly what you're saying. Um, I don't have a 3D printer. Now, all the guys do. Julio does, Pabs does, Kyle does. Um, Kyle is sending me one of his older 3D printers because he has too many, which is a <laughs> horrible thing to have, right? And I'm grateful for it. I'm going to pay for shipping, so I'm not. it's not going to be f- completely free. But that is gonna, that's a part of the reason why I'm doing so much crazy shit with the shed because 3D printer is going to go in there. Casting is going to go in there. Um, I need that, that place to be like semi-climate controlled. I need that to be completely watertight. I need to be bug proof and dust, dust less or dust light. We'll say dust light. Cause less is, this is the shore, the sand on the beach right over there. Get the bug no, out of here. you should live where, yeah, you don't know dust until you live in Eastern New Mexico. Uh, oh, I bet. Yeah. So which, which uh, printer are you getting from him? What's, which one? I don't know. Offhand. It's, it's like, ah, said, just, but I just would put one in a box and send it to you. It's for those yeah. spaghetti squeezes. It isn't. No, it isn't. It's not a. Um, I think it's a. I think it's a resin. It's like a resin printer, but I don't think it's one of the. What are those called? I can't remember what they're called. Not FDM, is it the? No, the, FDM the is the spaghetti ones. squeezer. Yeah. Yeah, the FDM. I don't think it's an FDM. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's. Your so you don't even like, know. You don't even know which technology bracket this printer nope. fits in. You're just like. But that doesn't matter. It's just going to be like Christmas. Yeah, it's Christmas. giving him an excuse to build a shed. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, no, the shed was coming anyways. We needed that bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. And it's changed the whole backyard. Um, and, uh, man, I'm such and a it won't really head. matter what you get out of the printer because you'll, oh, you'll right. probably, like, machine it and grind it and carve it yeah. and do stuff to it anyway. Hands, of course. That's and that's what I. That's why main thing that I had issues with when I first started out was people was basically I was pissed at people's reaction to it. That's what I found out after mm. I had a little time soul searching. I didn't care about the technology gonna come and steal my birthday um like and i was i was like pissed that people were like oh it's gonna be great i don't have to do anything all i could do is like push a button and i was like well for one no but for two like fuck off man what's what's so bad about building something and using your hands like come on like why are you so why are you so hot to try to not work like i get it work is hard but work is fulfilling like there's a balance well and you it sounds like you've already worked with enough 3d printed parts to know that it's just simply not true you know i mean it's <laughs> it's not that it's not work it's just a different kind of work it's yeah it's a whole yeah whole different whole different and even just like designing things that you need to make like designing uh functional machines in solidworks to be able to go and then 
have parts uh, plasma cut to then mill and then to mm -hmm. everything has to work together and you have material you're working on a job so you've got a materialist you've got labor you've got all these things you have to try to figure out and it all has to work together to do that right thing so well you know, i'm just it, there's it, that it but right? yeah there's that but i also just was kind of talking about the end result with 3d printing is mm -hmm. not this magical stack of parts that just you oh, know, right. jumps that just jumps together i mean you've worked with it enough to know that you know, it, it, it's, there's a lot of finish work to get a good surface finish. You know, yeah. it, I mean, nothing nothing ever fits, really. You have to do a lot of futzing around mm -hmm. to get things to go together the way that they were designed. Uh, right. You know, you're Especially all if you're trying to... Or do something re like repeatable, right? Like yeah, a functional exa thing. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, const constantly drilling out holes to make them the right mm -hmm. size. Yeah. You know, it's again, it's just it's it's a, just a different it's just a different kind that, of work. But that it's not too kind of like less. plays in like not even just 3D printing. Well, like that too plays into like what I did with that mecha model that I built, that dress up kit or the model conversion kit that I built, because a lot of that stuff is it, it locks together. It has to fit together. So there mm -hmm. that it comes into just about anything. So I'm I'm familiar with the cleanup end of it beyond even just the 3D printing thing. So like these people that think that this stuff is out of their minds, that's crazy yeah it's not it's not WYSIWYG by any stretch oh. yeah you gotta I mean, be a sculptor yeah i mean if you again if you if all you print is busts or figures then i you know sure of course 3d printing is magic it's easy but that's you know yeah you kids get off of yeah. my yard <laughs> well no and it's just like the stepping is just a it's just a, a plague like trying to get a round surface out of a thing that prints flat is like mm -hmm. how you you know it's gonna you're gonna have to clean things up you, you should expect it even with a super high resolution machine like i've got or one of these new 8k machines there's it's just the nature of the technology i mean it, mm -hmm. yeah it's getting better so and better and is... better and better but still you're gonna need some basic modeling skills then <laughs> <laughs> yeah fundamentals man jeez yeah yeah so i'm like yeah draw man even if you're not good at it how do you think you get good at it you do it mm. same way with anything right yeah, yeah. Anything. yeah. That's, <laughs> so, that's so hard to sort of like get across to people it's like how do you how do you get to be good at this like well you start off shit at it and you work yeah and work and work right and you get better yeah learn to embrace the suck yeah try right. not to beat yourself up yeah. for being shitty when everybody started shitty Yes. You should have seen the joy comes not from being good, it comes from getting a little bit better. You should have seen Michelangelo's first ceiling. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was his wasn't even a fucking level. It wasn't even his ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And uh and that's yeah, that's one thing I said too. I used to um, be a sponsored skateboarder back in the early two thousands. Um and uh we were out at a session and this one kid was trying to figure out a trick and was like, man, I don't, I don't know about this, man. This just like looks like shit. This feels like shit. And I'm like, it's okay, man. Everything starts out like shit. And it's just like what you just said, Tracy. It's the same deal. And it goes across so many different levels. It isn't just like, you know, uh, that modeling or whatever. It could be relationships. Yeah, you might have fucked up your first relationship because you're shit. It's okay. You'll get better. Like, yeah. don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. It's a journey, man. That's Everything. what it's about. It's yep. the journey. Every, and everything's like, a journey. Present the progression. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's a like journey. It's that, a journey. You're, a lot of the stuff is a journey you're going to take whether you want to or fucking not. So, oh god, yeah, <laughs> Been there. you might as well learn to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, why don't you tell us about Built Sideways? 
Excellent. Uh, Built Sideways podcast um, was is a little endeavor by me and uh, three of my friends, uh, Chris Pabs, Julio Aponte, and Kyle Harris. Um, we uh, we love model making, like you know, like you guys do. And I I guess I started the idea a little bit. I put the planted the seed. Uh, because I was listening to the likes of Plastic Model Mojo, Plastic Posse, On the Bench. Um, it was before I even like found out you guys. It was before you guys had a cast, I think, because we started our podcast at a similar yeah, time. Yeah, around the same time. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, about a year ago, July, uh, for us. And uh, and so, yeah, I was I was listening to these podcasts, and I was like, well, for one, Mecca is super-duper under like represented in, in the whole steve. <laughs> I think you'll be generous. <laughs> not, resent- <laughs> not represented, pretty much. I felt like there was more that could be done. Everything was kind of, you know, a little bit like a little bit more formulaic. I didn't want to do a, ca- a show where we just like talked about the, you know, the new mecha models that were released for the week and and any of that stuff. I wanted to do more of a conversational show. And so I brought it up to the guys. I was like, hey, guys, what do you think about doing like a like a podcast? It's kind of like our live streams are that kind of conversational banter, laugh, like laughter, joking comedy stuff. But like bring it a little bit more serious talk about things that are a little bit more poignant to the mecha community or the modeling community and that for that matter um and i think that as we've been progressing it's been kind of like mixing between the both um from mecha to standard armor and automotive and aircraft and stuff like that um and i think that uh so yeah so yeah the, we started the podcast uh, in july and uh yeah we, we yeah we host on every every platform out there um we're like you guys uh a little crass uh especially julio <laughs> yeah just a bit <laughs> yeah and uh some of our earlier episodes we have our friend uh Zeshin with us and and uh hopefully he comes back to the show when he gets the opportunity to uh when his life calms down a little bit life gets crazy you guys know this right sometimes you gotta well for chris too right take a break yeah and chris's life is so yeah we've been doing shows without chris but you know carrying the torch uh because he's been so busy just had a had a kid and it's like overwhelming with uh the amount of uh life drain right <laughs> i expect I don't have any getting, kids. all uh he's getting a lot of women saying to him right now you didn't have the kid your wife did because that's what i had <laughs> i just had a kid no you didn't <laughs> Mm, but well, did why, you? Why do you did. Say, yeah. We're did you? pregnant. Yeah. Like you're not pregnant. Yeah. You're fat, <laughs> and she's pregnant. <laughs> That's beer, a baby. This is beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or gin, bourbon. Um, what, yeah. One thing I think gin is one thing. You don't like gin? How can you be no. British and not like gin? Can't stand uh, the shit. Get the botanist. Yeah. Go, go yeah, try a bottle wrong. of botanist. It's expensive, yeah. but it's good. It's it's wasted on him. I'll try some fluid dry. <laughs> Look, if you guys want to go on about modeling fluid, you need to go over there on the Mojo podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying. David. I should say <laughs> something I, I really like about um, uh, Built Sideways, and, and I think the reason everyone should listen to it, regardless of whether they're interested in Mecca, is you have some really interesting conversations about thing which, things which affect all of us, like sexism in the hobby, chasing yeah. perfection, stuff like the more yeah. philosophical side. So yeah. that was something you wanted to do from the outset. Yeah, absolutely. That's and then that is more of a mirror of what our conversations look like behind the scenes. Um, so, like, yeah, it's good to make lighthearted jokes and and have a laugh about stuff, but it's also important to talk about things that maybe even some people feel uncomfortable about. Because if you don't take that step forward and bring certain things to light, then sometimes they never get brought to light, and it does the whole community a disservice, right? 
So we wanted to be more participation, you know, really. And it's just like, and it's, and it's fun to bullshit on the internet, you know? <laughs> just a bit. Well, I mean, those have been yeah, really I... interesting episodes for, for me because I, I don't really know much about uh, Gunpla. So like when you're, mm-hmm. when it crosses over into sort of the more universal themes, I really dig those shows. They were great. Especially the world awesome. sexism was really good. Yeah, I was yeah, going Texas to say, I, I, I think it's cool that you guys is, tackle yeah. tackle a different set of subjects than you know people might expect. And that one in particular, I think, was, was good. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about that one because the, the experiences that Tex was relating, I'm sure they've happened around me, but I haven't noticed. Probably because I'm yeah. a guy and it just doesn't cross my radar. But, you know, if guys don't do something, then when you see it, then you're yeah. enabling it, basically. Right, exactly. And it should also be like, you know, you you know, we all need to make sure that we're, you know, very receptive to people when they bring up <laughs> these events happening. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yes. if your lady lady modeler friends were come up to you and it's like, yo, man, this thing, blah, 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 or this like guy, blah, 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 like, help them out. Like, be a good person at the very yeah. least. It's not hard to listen and be understanding. Like, don't, like, I, there's some crazy fucking dudes out there that stand for abuse, and I fucking hate that. Like, hmm. and like inner bullying or like any weird like shit, man. I I I started getting a little hot. I'm getting a little hot right now. Um, <laughs> I started getting a little bit hot about that on that episode about sexism because of like hmm. some of these people, man. But you know, a lot of that stuff is almost easier because it's so it's so out. I mean, it's it's so easy to identify. Like those dipshits make themselves known pretty quickly. Yeah. What yeah. irritates me is the low level stuff. Like I, you know, I, I, I see, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a few uh, lady modelers, whatever you want to call them, that that mm-hmm. I'm friends with on Facebook or whatever, and they'll post some of their work, and you know, some dipshit will say something like, you know, such great work from such, a, you know, and you're so cute, and I'm like, right. shut the fuck up, man. Right. No, that's no, not what it's that, about. Right? That's that's not what this is about. And why do you feel like that's even appropriate? And, and why do you, and I think a lot right. of guys probably, you know, maybe some of these guys genuinely think they're just being nice, but I guarantee you these women don't fucking want to hear it. They no. just don't. If that don't. was me, it would make me not want to post because of the shit you get. Yeah. yeah. You just get, yeah. yeah well, I mean, I, I can't, yeah. yeah. They just get, I mean, just if it were me it. being me and I saw that, I'd call that shit out. Like, that's, I, yeah, absolutely. that's the thing about people like that. You call them out on it and they crumble. Like, yeah. what, mm-hmm. what real defense do they have? It's like a guy parked in a handicapped spot, like Dude, in his you BMW. you see some shit. <laughs> I've like, seen some shit, Tracy. <laughs> You'd be so fucking surprised what some people will do. The protractions and the, and the prostrations that people will go to, to come up with some fucking bullshit excuse to justify the reason that they said whatever fucking bullshit thing they said, mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. And like, man, mental. Yeah. <laughs> It's the Olympics. Yeah, oh, yeah there are some people gymnastics. that just gymnastics. can't be seen to be wrong, so they have to double down on it and like mm-hmm. twist and turn and do mental acrobatics and all kinds of crazy yeah. shit. Just yeah, because they got some... caught being a dick and they don't want to admit and they, they double being a down. Dick. Yeah. And yeah. then a hundred mm-hmm. people pile on them saying, "You should stop talking and just apologize." It should be. It better. They it better don't know. Be, right? <laughs> they don't do they it. Don't do it. That's yeah. well. I mean, and you, you see it like some dude will will post uh, uh, like he's let's say he's done a bust or a a figure that's you know some hot warrior chick, mm-hmm. and you know some dipshit will be like oh yeah wow look at you know 
look at those battle cannons or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, you know, yeah. that kind of stupid shit. Yeah. And you go and you call them out, and then they're like, oh, well, you're just a party pooper. No. <laughs> like, no. You're, you're just a poorly social skilled asshole. And you just yeah. got called out. Well, well, we'll do a whole, like, we've, we've talked about doing an episode yeah, on, like, gripes. Uh, and that's my gripe, is, like, the sexualization of, of females in model form. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, oh, I've, I've painted this M1 Abrams, yeah. and I've got this girl, and she's barely wearing anything. And I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> know, is right? this? Like, is yeah. that what you have to, is that the only way you see a woman? Because in real uh, yeah, life, right? that is not the way that any of us yeah. actually see a woman standing yeah. next to How a tank. Often? Right. I mean, have you ever been to Florida? No. Um, <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I'm just saying, because like, yeah, down there, it's so hot, they don't wear much. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I, that's one thing I value about having some sculpting, uh, chops is that like these models that you're talking about, Tracy, they often are just cast and printed out by houses in, in China or whatever. You can buy a bunch of titty, titty figures to put all over your, yeah, it's, it's filthy with it. Right. So I wanted a couple of female figures in uh one to 20th scale for my, my big, uh, Mecca the flea for and I but I just ran out of time on putting the girls into it so I searched high and low and I found two that were pretty good right and I sculpted clothes onto them essentially like you have to I mean it's like adding stuff it's like getting rid of butt cracks and like that really really unnecessarily impractically low cut tank top that they have on it's like, just get rid of that shit just little putty fix it up yeah. because it's unnecessary you know and I get like the guys that are I like I want to sculpt some like big fat guys in those poses <laughs> wearing that stuff put those all over tanks <laughs> that'd be that awesome <laughs> with big That's butt cracks idea. you have to like, add yes. butt crack oh. Oh, dude, actually, with the big with go the, to the big, trouble big belly like, like yeah, but go to the yeah. trouble of adjusting the suspension so it's like yeah. right. just exaggerated. Call it average yes. modelers sat on a tank. Dude. Yo, right? Yeah, the whole like, the whole, oh my God. My visit to that. Fort Benning. <laughs> I'm not going to do it though because I'm lazy. But <laughs> No, but it's a great idea, right? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But That's also fun. I'm really, I'm kind of alive to the fact we're four, I'm going to say it, four white middle-aged guys sat here talking about sexism. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of part of the problem with the hobby for me is I go to a show and everybody looks like me. And that feels weird. I and mean, when I went to Shizuoka, it was great because there were kids there and there were women there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, other people enjoy modeling. And I kind of wonder, I don't know, it's a chicken egg thing. I don't know whether military stuff appeals to certain type of person or whether it's because it's so these shows are so dominated by a certain type that other people don't feel comfortable or somehow feel excluded. I mean, not intentionally, obviously no one's out there, you know, trying to exclude people, but if you walked in a room and no one looked like you, it would feel a bit strange. Well, I mean, that's, that's why, uh, you know, um, role model expo and, uh, SMC are so good because the, the fantasy, uh, painting, the fantasy figure painting is such a large segment of it that, that's more inclusive, like yeah. in terms of what uh, people it draws, uh, you know, their interest. Like, I mean, my wife doesn't give a shit about tanks, but she likes the painting. She likes the, the cool shit like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the subject matter can't be super interesting. The demographic it draws is pretty um what we see is pretty typical, I think. Yeah, pretty it's fairly one-sided. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
I was going to say, Chris, Gup, though, obviously um, a bit different. So. I, I was a goth in the 90s in Iowa, so I definitely yeah. know what it's like to walk into a room and not have anybody <laughs> Dude, look like me. I, I was a goth in, in Devon in the 90s, and uh, there'd been a few, but they were a few years older than me, so they'd gone, uh, so I was basically the only one. And right. uh, yeah, someone tried to run me over it. Well, not run me over, but they drove oh, a car right up to me on the sidewalk <laughs> right. at night, one night, and just like in the headlight. Yeah, it was a bit like, you ain't oh, around fuck. here, are you? you know, it was a bit... Oh, dude, I know, right? And then you're like, yeah, yeah actually, like we got ourselves a reader <laughs> and all that. You know? Oh, yes. Oh, Bill Hicks. I miss you, Bill. Come back. Come back to us. Channel the ghost of yeah. Bill Hicks, please. Somebody reincarnate, get some, D- get some DNA. Come on, get the scientists on that shit. <laughs> That one put a whole different spin on Jurassic Park. Oh, yes. Jurassic Park. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. But yeah, it's been actually very uh, enlightening to see the last few years uh, at the IPMS, at least here in New Jersey. I don't know if it's because of like the the mecha stuff and like because some of us guys like you know me and julio and and dan moore and and uh other julio from bronx and you know just various people around that are more active in that like mecha alternative modeling community have started to go to these events and we talk highly about them and get more people mm-hmm. to come so there's been more and more and more coming into this particular event mosquito con in uh in northern new jersey at the wayne uh, pal and uh and that's been great to see because you're getting little kids that are coming in now, more of that. There's been, um, we're getting a bunch of uh, Asian modelers, which is great to see uh, because you, that's not a lot what you get. But they're doing, they aren't doing as much of like, oh no, fuck no, I take that back. Because the bro that won the the 32nd scale, uh, or no, 48th scale um, aircraft, that guy slayed. He brought the most beautiful phantoms in. My goodness. Phantoms are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, well, I know, right? I've got a Zokimura one right here sitting next to me. I'm getting ready to start on it because, you know, hey, you can't have enough projects. But yeah, and it's been really re- refreshing to see that. And I hope that that trend kind of like carries through more. I'm, I know that um, the guys, the Mojo guys talk about it a little bit, seeing a little bit more diversity. They've talked to um, a few people. Kyle actually met those guys uh, at, uh, no, was it? I can't remember where it was, somewhere recently. Uh, IPMS out there in the hay- hayfields. But yeah, like, uh, hopefully we can see that, right? Like, and if we all do more, have more conversations like this amongst each other, uh, amongst our friend groups, and then in, you know, these social forums like this, we can curb the bullshittery and get more of a growth, a better progress towards, you know, more cool and more, more is better, right? Models, more models, always better. This hobby always needs new points of view and new blood, always. Yes, because you're going to learn something. It tends to move towards the center all the time, so you always need new ideas coming in. Yeah. In fact, that's something that's come up over here a bit. People say, why aren't kids getting into the hobby? And they say, oh, it's because of video games. It's because they're too expensive. It might be because they go to shows and see a bunch of old guys saying, don't touch my toys. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's been shows, too, where kids fuck things up, which is weird that's just being having bad parents you know like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 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 well if you've been to a restaurant you know that that's out there yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah some people have very odd attitudes to what their kids can do especially now um so where else can people see you brian 
Oh yeah, uh, like I said before, my YouTube channel, Kodokai, uh, on, yeah, on the YouTubes, and then, uh, Instagram, I'm bro underscore builder, I stream on Twitch as well when I stream on YouTube, so if you're a Twitch watcher, you can check me out Tuesdays and Thursdays on there, under bro builder, um, uh, hey, it's all good, uh, and then I'm on, I'm on Twitter too, I think it's just my actual name though, isn't it? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm just Brian Denclow on Twitter, if you want to come through, yeah, just a normal old me. Um, but yeah, that's where you guys can find me. You can find, uh, of course, the Built Sideways podcast streams on all the major platforms, just like these fine gentlemen here. We're part of the Scale Model Podcast uh, Consortium. And uh, check out all those kick-ass guys, because everybody fucking rocks. I love it all. And of course, don't forget the original Mecha Contest. Right. Oh, the, thank you. Hey, somebody's got to... Is that the is that the name of the... Yeah, yeah, I want to go see that. Is that the, is that the name Dude. of the Facebook group? Yeah, and I'm a yeah, I'm a I'm the admin. So, yeah, <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> all right, good well. stuff. Yeah, good stuff. We appreciate you awesome. being here and sharing all of it with us. Oh, thanks for listening to my rambles. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Brian. Hey guys, Chris here from Inside the Armor. I'd like to tell you about a new book I've got coming soon called Modelling AFE Club Armour. In the book we've got such great modellers as David Parker, John Murphy, David Chow, Jose Brito, Mark Neville, Ken Abrams and myself, Chris Meddings. Subjects range from World War II to Cold War to current armoured fighting vehicles. The book will be launched at the World Model Expo show on the weekend of the 1st of July. However, Pre-orders begin in the middle of June. Go to InsideTheArmor.com and sign up for our newsletter to make sure you don't miss your chance to pre-order. Friends, we'd like to take just a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Our Patreon supporters help us pay for hosting, distributing, and recording this show, and we really do appreciate their support. If you'd like to support the show and become a Patreon member, you can click on the Patreon link in the show notes, or you can go to Patreon.com and search for the Sprue Cutters Union. And don't forget, the Sprue Cutters Union is just one of a number of superb scale modelling podcasts. There are too many to list, but go to modelpodcasts.com to find a full list of all these great shows. Yeah, I mean, he's boundless energy. Oh my God. He keeps pulling things off the shelf. Well, I've got this. And creativity, too. Yeah. But also. also not a a quantity over quality guy i mean his shit's good i was really impressed when we started getting into looking at his pictures and it's not just that 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 his you know his fundamentals are are really solid he's a good painter he's a good builder but his Hmm. he he has a seemingly endless supply of creative vision which is something you can't buy off the shelf yeah i think one of my favorite parts was whenever he was talking about how he wanted to take this existing figure gunpla kit and like extend these parts and make this longer. And then, and the guy who made it was like, Hey, you can't do that. And he was like, well, but I did. I did. <laughs> he's like, no, it's not physically possible. He's like, no, no, no. I, I, I you'll mess up the kit. No, no. He was like, well, it's, just, it's not physically possible to do that and make everything work. And then Brian's like, but, but I did it. Yeah. it's like the first dude to decide to turn a pizza into a calzone right (laughs) like you can't do that yeah something shouldn't be done (laughs) yeah just just because you can 
it, what is it that they spent too long thinking about if they could and not about if they yeah. should? Thanks, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a calzone fan. Sorry, but you wouldn't say no to an empanada. I would. I've never had one. <laughs> well, you are missing it. You are missing out in life. Yeah, I mean, but then again, uh, an empanada an empanada is just basically a tiny Latin American calzone. So yeah. you know, you, you might. When Brian came on here, did he turn this show into built sideways? Because it just keeps fucking veering off all over the place today. <laughs> <laughs> He's infected our show with their uh, unfocused uh, side. Yeah, he left a little oil on the track. We're just sliding all over the place. <laughs> uh, I love the fact he doesn't look at kits as kits. He looks at them as a starting point. It's a and suggestion. Yeah, it's a serving suggestion. It's like he sent us photos of um, a hover car he's making at the moment, and I can see bits in that from all over the place. And it's obvious to him that all his kits or whatever are just a big pile of un, uh, as yet unput together spares bin. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, no, I'll have that shape and I'll have that thing from over there and then I'll put some aluminium rod in there. And, you know, it's a lot more freestyle than, than a lot of modelers are used to. And it's most, something I'd, I'd love to. Most modelers. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to try myself. Yeah. I think it's really a, a breath of fresh air. And I and I hope that our listeners take a good look at what he's doing and, and just think about that fact. I mean, you know, we, we do tend to be, to one degree or another, very... I mean, we build a kit, it, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the recipe is right there. And, you know, and we had a lot of modelers tend to follow the recipe right on through the color callouts, And, you know, there you go. Well, but, I, mean, I was going to say, people complain about the instructions in kits. So the, the first thing he does, he's just, <laughs> <in the beat. laughs> we, we I'm going to use these to start the fire in my forge for the parts that I'm going to cast. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. <laughs> well, he's got he's got that sort of like uh, uh, scratch building and and um, kit bashing spirit of the guys who uh, you know built all the Star Wars equipment for the movie. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. yeah. It's just like there's no yeah. rules. There's no rules. I'm 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 making what I want to make from all of these parts. And if there's not a part there, I can make the part that I need to fill in the gap between all these other parts. You know. Um, so hooray to that spirit of, of doing whatever the fuck you want and having a vision and following it and, and being able to pull a fucking three headed rabbit out of a hat. The thing is though, anyone could just chuck a bunch of shit together and get like a thing, but to chuck it together and get a good thing out of it that looks like a complete thing rather than a collection of shit is a skill, you know, and that takes a lot of, uh, of craft skill as well of physical knowledge and experience and everything else yeah i mean you can see with his hover vw that like he's thinking it through mechanically it's got intakes it's you know he's got some you know something going on that's attached to the engine there you know at least it's sort of plausible and i I, you know as an engineering type guy i have mad respect for that but when he's finished with it it'll all be blended in with putty or it won't be if he doesn't want it to and everything it will look like an actual thing not just random parts stuck together Cool stuff. Fun guy and another fun interview, I think. So who have we got on next time, Will? I believe it's your guest next Yes, time. we. Well, I'm, I'm super looking forward to it uh, because our next guest, if everything works out okay, is going to be a guy I've mentioned before, Mr. Gabe Pincelli. And he's a really, really top shelf craftsman. I mean, he's he's the guy who's going to clean you out at an IPMS contest because his craftsmanship is impeccable. 
Um, he's done a lot of work building masters for um, for companies that do resin uh, aftermarket castings, and he is a former Super Hornet pilot. So, yeah, so like ha- half of the interview is going to be talking about Top Gun. So, <laughs> I don't want to spin us off into a, a, a side chat, but I saw that last weekend, and it is it is awesome, really is. And I'm not a Top Gun fan of the original, so uh, definitely worth going to see. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Good fun. Two thumbs up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time on the Sprue Cutters Union. Take care. Adios, bitches. Auf Wiedersehen. Crow, it is the legs, it is the backwards, it is the bit.